0: Alright, welcome ladies and gentlemen to the year that was dot 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 this time around. We're discussing 1997. We're in the middle of April. It's really kicking off with WCW and, and WWF. Um, this week, we if you guys don't know, if you're new to the show, um, what we do is we're doing a week-by-week breakdown of the WWF and WCW um, have television product, not doing any behind-the-scenes stuff, just... This is what happened on the show, this is what's going on, and um, this week we are discussing April 21st, 1997, but before we get into that, I want to welcome my guest hosts through the show, co-hosts, um, my brother Nate.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Graham Puma of the We Can't Wrestle podcast universe, and Mark Brew. What's up, buddy? Yo, go,
2: go, 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 um, go.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, this week, unless you guys got anything to add to the top of the show...
1: No, not not anything to add to the top of the show.
0: Um, we're going to start with Monday Night Raw. Raw is war. We're coming out of the Revenge of the Taker
1: pay-per-view, which was a good show. Um, I, this- apologize. I apologize to everybody for calling last week's episode a cold day in hell. Yeah, that's the next the, pay-per-view. The, yeah, the, the pay-per-views ran together in my brain. So when I... <laughs> I did yeah. change it, though. I made good on it. All yes. right, just okay. saying. But, um,
2: but should we start with Raw? Because to me, that was the better of the two.
0: That's what I said. We're starting with Raw.
2: That's all I'm saying. Should we start with Raw? Because that was the yeah. better of the two. That uh, I know, but
0: I, 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 I like to If we're coming out mm-hmm. of a... It, whatever, sh- whatever company's pay-per-view we're coming out of, I like to kind of... Kind of flow is better for me. Um, gotcha. That way, like, that way, if anything happened on the pay per view, it's still fresh in my mind, and I don't have to go back to my notes or whatever. Um, I have a, I have a, I have ADHD. I have a fucking bird brain. I don't remember shit. Um, whoa! All right. Um. My, yes, we started. I'm talking to like the messenger, like he can hear me. Archie's blowing up the instant mess. Oh my god. Anyway, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Just, just hop on. Ugh. I got a flow. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: not editing any of this out because it's fantastic. God damn it! Anyway, um, we're in, and I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna fuck up the pronunciation of this town. That's what kind of I was hoping Archie was on here because he's from that region, so he might know how to <laughs> pronounce it right. But it's Binghampton, Binghampton, Binghampton. Binghamton, New Binghamton. York. Yeah. Binghamton, New York. I like Binghampton better. Big Hampton. <laughs> He's going to be, I think, one hundred
2: and fifty-two on the PWI <laughs> <line>. Big
0: Hampton. <laughs> this rotund grappler. <laughs> um. Anyway, he was in Portland. Yes. Um. So, we're where we're, we're, Mark said we're at. And um, the show starts with a recap of The Undertaker just blatantly just catching Paul Bearer's face on fire. It was supposed to be a fireball. It didn't work. It's one of the craziest comical things I've ever seen in my life. And just like, oh, my God. And you got to give um, William Moody, like like I said, William Moody a ton of credit. Oh, for um, for just taking it like like he was, I guarantee if Paul Bearer if, if if he would have been like, um, don't set my face like don't do it, Undertaker wouldn't have done it. But William right. Moody laid there and let that happen. Like that could have been disastrous, but it anyway. It's fucking one of my throw. It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened, and one of the visually coolest things that's ever been in the fucking business. Um, but we get a recap of that, and then the Raw opening plays. And there's the theme and the pyro and this like the 98 or the 97 through like 99 raw opening of the that, that's the coolest fucking opening for a wrestling show that's yes. ever. I agree like, with that. Saying. That shit doesn't get you amped. Fucking check Nothing out.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Just check out of the check out of watching wrestling and just fucking watch Seinfeld and shut the fuck up. Um. <laughs> So the opening segment is Vince McMahon introducing Steve Austin. Steve Austin comes out and, um, he's talking about wanting to have Bret Hart in a street fight tonight. It, it was kind of weird how they did it because they, at the top announced that Brett and Steve were going to be in a street fight, but he's coming out to challenge Brett to his street. Right. fight. That was a little disjointed. Um, so I don't know if that was just Jim Ross on the like having a momentary whatever, but anyway, brain lapse. yeah, brain lapse of, of We got a street fight tonight and just kind of announced it before it was supposed to be announced. Um, but Steve's out there. He's talking about um, wanting Bret Hart for a street fight tonight and that he gets a um, WWF championship shot on May 11th at cold day in hell against the undertaker. Um, Austin tells um, Vince just sh- basically shut the fuck up and he's always he's, he doesn't want to talk about that shot. He only wants to talk about Brett and he calls Brett out. He gives him 1 minute to come down <coughs> to the um, they even have a they even have a clock up on the uh, up on the TitanTron. Brett doesn't come out. Instead, the Hart Foundation is shown on the TitanTron. Brett accepts the street fight. And then Brett does his, um, I did write it down verbatim what he said, but he does his, um, I don't want to say stereotypical because that would downplay it, but he does his uh, He does his current Bret Hart heel promo about America being trash and this, that, and the other thing. And I, I thought it was a decent segment, but I, like I said, I think Jim Ross kind of misspoke about Dude talking about the, the bed on that one. Yeah, a little bit.
1: I don't know so if you guys,
0: I know Nate didn't, didn't watch, watch it because he doesn't do his homework. Well, but Nate, then...
1: Nate, has, Nate has watched this plenty because, as I've said on the shows before multiple times, this is literally one of my top five favorite episodes of Monday Night Raw ever. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. But it's kind of fun going through and watching it, like having to take notes too, you know, because you notice little shit like Jim mm-hmm. Ross, like stating
1: it. A man it. who doesn't fuck up very often. Yeah. Up. Yeah.
0: Um but he
2: literally was like, "Brett and Austin's gonna fight tonight in the street fight," and then Austin comes out there. I want Brett's ass in the street fight. <laughs> like, God damn
0: it! it disjointed, and that's one of those things that you know after the show and Vince went back and we watched it. And he's like, "God damn it! Fucking monkeys, fucking footballs! Jesus Christ!" Yeah. But um, like I said, it was a decent segment, and. um then obviously brett doesn't come out so steve austin's mad and he goes to search for him and they show um, austin in the back searching for brett hart um do you guys get anything else on that segment before we move into our opening match
1: yes okay what this this is 97 especially especially i mean i know they have used it for however 30 some or 30 years or whatever Not 30 yet, but you know what I mean, 25 years. But my point is the countdown clock. They are at this time, since that Titan Tron is new and fresh, if you notice, they try every way they can to now incorporate that into their show every week. Yeah. You know, somehow, some way, other than an interview, other than something like that, other than, you know, showing the people something from backstage we're going to try to incorporate this fucking Titan Tron thing in the show in innovative ways. Yeah. One of my,
0: one of my favorite, like things anybody ever said was they were interviewing. it was like about, it was like a DVD about the, the history of raw and all this, you know, and Kurt, when just talking about building that Titan Tron, they built this fucking thing. And they're like, all right, let's see what we got. You know, it's like, we're going to get out there. We're going to do it. And, it would cost a lot of money, you know, mm-hmm. and and Kerwin was like, if this thing, he's like, all I'm thinking of is, is if this thing is glitchy and doesn't fucking work. He didn't say fucking, but basically like if this thing shits the bed and doesn't work for the next two three hours, the boss is going to be sitting there with the direct eye line at it for two hours.
1: Not, just pick, being able, yeah. not being
0: able to just say shut it down, yeah. having to sit there and look yeah. at it. Like, you picture
1: Vince, you picture Vince looking over his glasses. Yeah, you like, know? Like,
0: <laughs> like, this thing doesn't work. We're fucked. Like,
2: giving you that stern grandpa stare. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, Archie's jumped on. What's up, buddy? This isn't where I this isn't where I parked my car. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the club, it's got the club on the or the boot on the tire. Sorry. <laughs>
3: Yeah, my bad. Everybody,
0: open container. Sorry. (laughs) So our opening match of the night is the Sultan with the Iron Sheik going one on one with Ahmed Johnson. Sultan coming down to the ring looking like a Hershey kiss. Yeah, well, looking awesome. (laughs) Like, like that's in my notes, and I think I talked to Nate about it a while back. I thought the Sultan was a cool gimmick, but I think it was just like five years too late.
3: Yes, it, it, right. was, it was one of the best gimmicks Savio Vega ever did. Uh, Fatu, you mean? No, Fatu. We'll Vega guys.
2: No, no, that no. was fucking <laughs> Vercetti. <vatici. laughs> I know, I'm joking. I'm uh, joking. I was about to say Archie. <laughs> put the, the the weeds down,
3: buddy.
0: Go out and come I'm, back, buddy. <laughs> I only pumped one weed. Okay,
3: leave me alone. It was just one weed.
0: Ragweed.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> But I thought, like I said, I think the Sultan. If it would have been a gimmick in, like you know, the early like Papa Shango, like 92, 91, yeah, 92, it would have been. I think it would have been a bigger deal. Um, Fatu was making a change back then, so you know,
1: and the, and the the WWF at this point is growing up as a product. They're becoming a more um, a less cartoony and a more real, a more yeah. as realistic as pro wrestling can get, a more realistic right. product. And an edgy product in that character, like you said, Aaron, it was it was a cool character. It just didn't fit its it didn't fit its time.
0: Yeah. Right. And then uh, another note is I hate Ahmed Johnson. Always have, always will. But his music was a banger. That was good. Fucking music. mumble mouth. Mumble mouth.
2: Like <sighs> if you if you're gonna go in and talk about this actual match, I'm gonna save my comment for you know in a few minutes. But if you're not, then I'm going to go ahead and say what I got to say.
0: I I only have like two notes on the match, so you can you can say it. Clothesline, okay, spine like, buster. From yeah, I, yeah. You
2: know that was about limited to his moveset anyways. But like at the same time, the match really displayed, you know, two big guys like that and athleticism. It wasn't. It wasn't no, you know, big guy doing some holy shit stuff, but I mean it was hard hitting and smash mouth and that's what it was meant to
0: be. Right. Well, and, and, you know. and and I don't wanna like okay. My mm-hmm. take on Ahmed is that he could do some good shit if he was in there with somebody good. But wow. for the most part I was just like, I don't I, I don't see it. And I didn't even see it then. I just like I said, I don't, I don't know. I never got behind the guy. Nate was when, like, when
3: he first debuted ahmed johnson was like oh this guy could wrestle and he actually can cut somewhat of a promo and then as the months went on it all dwindled i don't know what happened i don't know maybe he took a shot in the head too much or vince McMahon told him you know i want you to do things differently the the only time he was really interesting after his debut was when and of course after the gold dust match was when he joined the nation and then they promptly kicked him out two weeks later, you know,
1: so my thing on Ahmed, it's, I have the same stance on him as I back then, as I do now, or I I do now as I did back then, he was a terrible promo. Okay. And when he first came in to the company, he showed much promise. There's three things I'll say. Firstly, I think he went downhill because he was a guy that got injured a lot and, a had an atti- and had an attitude, and never did anything about his attitude. He never grew up. But I will say this: when he first came in, from the moment he first came in until he undid himself, that guy was fucking over. Oh
0: yeah, I'm not going oh, die- to yeah. deny that he was over. And so was the ultimate warrior, but he was still fucking trash. You know? Yeah. But anyway,
1: anyway, um, yeah, I know this isn't the Ahmed Johnson show. I just yeah. it
2: um,
3: could be.
2: No, I mean, my opinion is great physique, not able to take constructive criticism, and it eventually led to his downfall.
0: Mm-hmm. And he, like and, and he it, and and like Nate said, he had a bad attitude, and he decided to fuck with the wrong guy. Like he was like, um, he like he decided to fuck with Ron Simmons, and that was a huge <laughs> fucking
1: mistake. Right? Because as Ron Simmons told Rick Flair, Ron Simmons is unfuckable. Yes,
0: so um, Johnson ends up hitting the spine buster, which brings out the nod. Um, but Johnson whips out his big wood and um, slams it up against the NOD, the nod. Um, <laughs> he, he and then he ends up smacking his big wood all over the Sultan, and it ends up um, being Sultan stuff. Like I don't,
2: I wrote down no, Sultan no, no, here. no. You, you said that wrong, too, because he didn't hit the Nation of Domination with it. He just hit the Sultan with it, and then the Nation of Domination was like, fuck
3: this, we're out.
2: I thought he hit one of them. <laughs> no, he didn't hit the Nation of Domination with it.
3: In the Nation's defense, if a guy the size of Ahmed Johnson whipped out his wood in front of me,
1: I'd run too. All right? I'd, find, I'd find that very insulting.
3: Right. <laughs> I like what you did there, Nate.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, um, like, like you said, I, I, uh, Salton ends up winning by DQ because uh, Johnson whipped his wood out and smacked him with it. Um, and the rest, As it so, should be. That's too much. Like, we can't have this. It.
2: <laughs> it was four minutes and 51 seconds. They needed some kind of excitement.
0: <laughs> um, so, unless we got anything else on that... Um, We
1: spent enough time on it already. uh, I believe (laughs) that
0: move on from the Johnson wood. (laughs) It still always cracks me up when Jim Ross be like, "Look at the big Johnson in the ring." (laughs) Realize what you're saying, Johnson Johnson exploding on his opponent. The big Johnson's exploding. It's kind of like at WrestleMania. It's kind of like at WrestleMania 17 when Lita gets involved in the ladder match and. Um, she comes out and and she grabs Edge, and Jim Ross realizes what he said because he goes, Oh, here's Lita jerking Edge off the ladder. The ladder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He foreshadowed, but anyway. (laughs) What were you going to say, Archie? Sorry. I said, I watched a Raw, was the Raw before Survivor Series
3: and Stone Cold attacked Ahmed Johnson? Um, I mean, this is going to be coming up soon, but on the show. But he, Ahmed Johnson, cut a promo and said, Stone Cold Steve Austin came at me. And when you come at me, it's like you got into my end zone and scored. So now I'm going to score on you. They flash back to Vince McMahon at ringside. And Vince is like, So on next week, Johnson is going to score on Stone Cold. And it's like, What? Gross. That's where what, what
0: became a thing. What? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Bret Hart is in his locker room And he's surrounded by agents um, And Steve Austin shows up And he's attempting to bust into um, Bret Hart's locker room With a chair um, And I've said this plenty of times So we don't need to like get too much into it But it's back in wrestling logic Back in the day Where they explained that the camera was in there Because they were going to be attempting to get an interview With Bret Hart bret hart and steve austin showed up so it wasn't like yeah like oh here's already, already here the, because right
2: because at the it, beginning though whenever austin was going to go out the ring to find bret then they shot up on the titan mm-hmm. so i mean it, it wasn't because at the beginning they were
0: cutting that promo yeah it's just like now it's just like oh there's a camera there and and yeah whatever they actually gave a reason for it to be there um Steve ends up actually busting in, but the officials pull him out, and Bret Hart is saying that um, he shouldn't be treated this way. He's been here this long. This is bullshit. Like, why, why, why are you guys allowing this to happen to me?
1: Two things, and, and, and this is this is just me being like a little wrestling schoolgirl because, like I said, this is one of my favorite episodes of Raw ever. First, to turn the phrase of Vince McMahon. If ever there was good shit, pal, this is good shit, pal. And 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 Brett and everybody that listens to our shows has heard me say it ad nauseum. Brett in 97 is the greatest heel ever. And and I'm saying that because the subtlety of this because if I remember correctly and I do, he is literally talking shit about Austin, like, I'll fight Austin, I'll fight Austin, behind a locked door. And that is amazing, <laughs> subtle heel shit, man, that is so good. He's so smug and so, like, I'll fight him, I'll fight him, but the door's locked. I love it, it's fucking great. Anyway.
0: um, Like I said, they get the officials out of there, and then we roll into Vince McMahon welcoming uh, Ken Shamrock to the table. Uh, the commentating table, and they recap Tiger Ali Singh winning the Kuwaiti Cup, and that is what it is. I don't even remember who he fucking beat. (laughs) Anyway. Whoever
3: it was should have
1: won instead. I
3: I find it a shame that in that time they could have made a Kuwaiti Cup for Tiger Ali Singh, but Jinder Mahal does not get a Saudi Arabia Cup in this day and age. You or a, or a,
1: a Punjabi cup or right. something. something yeah. you know. The Punjabi plaque, Virginia <laughs> Mahal.
0: Um, and then they show, like I said, they show Tiger Ali Sang winning the um, Kuwaiti Cup, and then they show Vader smacking around um, that promoter on Good Morning Kuwait, um, and that was on April twelfth, nineteen 1997, and we're in... Um, it's now April twenty seventh, so that gives you a timeline of how long Vader been locked down. Um, they show a picture. Jerry Lawler shows a picture he drew of uh, Vader doing Kuwaiti customers or customer service. I, I've, I've sat through that before. That's terrible. I'm trying to get your computer working. But anyway,
1: thank uh, you for calling. My name is Dan. How can I help you? My name is not Dan. Uh, your name is not Dan. I'm just it might start. I'm just to it picture. might start with D A N. I'm
2: just trying to picture Vader doing the whole customer service thing. That would, I, that would he's, be like, he's
1: like, he's like the guy. The guy. Well, I was gonna say the guy's like, um, the clock on my computer isn't working. What time is it? <laughs> it's twelve thirty. Fuck you. No, it's Vader time. time.
3: It's time. It's time. It's Verizon customer service time. <laughs>
1: he's got the V for Verizon. I love it. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but Lawler
0: shows a picture of Vader um, doing a Kuwaiti um, um, community, ser- service. community service, and he's shoveling camel shit. Um, and then um, Ken Shamrock then babbles a little bit about, like, Ninety seven, right when he got there, Ken Shamrock is the fucking worst he's the second worst promo on the entire show. He's right below Ahmed Johnson. Like he's babbling I when I was a kid, I had bullies and then I got older and there were more bullies and I don't like bullies and I bullied bullies. <laughs> but I'm a UFC fighter, hey, You're man. the world's most dangerous man. So somebody was bullying you in college and look at your face. You didn't go to college. <laughs>
3: Uh, no, but he did score four touchdowns in one game at Popeye. Yeah, Al Bundy looking. And Archie front.
2: is the only one that
0: remembers that statistic. <laughs>
3: yes, I do. Yes, I do.
0: And then, I love Ken Shamrock. <laughs> and then Ken, Sham- Ken Shamrock proceeds to challenge Mike Tyson to a fight. This is dumb. How they never made that happen, I don't know.
1: It was. It was in the works and then so Tyson um, got locked up. Um I don't I, I don't remember but I do know that I covered it in a slice of time. It was they were they were talking to Tyson at this time because the word was they wouldn't have even mentioned it on TV if they didn't think they were almost there. And then I don't I don't remember if it was cuz he he went to jail or what, but something made the deal fall through at the time. And you know, I mean, we know less than a year later it's going to happen, but
0: then he wasn't locked up then.
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't remember
0: what it was. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was of
1: Yeah. It was legit on the books at one point that they were going to book that that fight.
0: Well, they should have had it on contract before they had fucking Shamrock out there babbling like a moron. <laughs> but um now we're going to get into um Nate's favorite thing of all time, the stone cold Steve Austin Bret Hart street fight. Um yeah. Bret Hart comes out. Well, Austin comes out first and then Brett comes out and he's milking his entrance and then Owen and Bulldog attack, um, Austin from behind. And then, um, and this is something I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Um, and Shawn Michaels comes out dressed like a 1990s R&B singer and he runs off Bulldog and Owen with the steel chair. um, what I what the difference between WCW and the WWF at this time was was at this point that would have been the end of it for WCW. Like they would have been like, oh my goodness, and they would have just went into something else. The WWF was like, this was our way of getting Owen and Bulldog on the show and putting Austin at a disadvantage. But that's not going to be the end of it. You still get you know the street fight. Mm-hmm. Like WWF at this time. Was very adamant about you will get what's fucking advertised, and that's what that's what Vince realized. WCW, in my opinion, at this time, I think that's what Vince realized. WCW's biggest um,
1: bait, bait and switch.
0: They can come up with a great idea to get people to watch, but they don't know how to you know um,
2: execute. Were they were they pushing Sean as a face during this time?
0: Sean was hurt, so they were just kind of doing
1: whatever
0: they really could do to
1: get him out there. At this time, as far as Sean goes, they were pushing Sean for the entirety of 1997. They pushed Sean wherever Sean's little baby fucking attitude forced them to right. push him. One week he wants to be a baby face. The next, and I love Shawn Michaels. He's one of my top three pro wrestlers of all time. But at this time, he was a pain in the ass piece of shit. And that wow. was – he He actually hurt the product at times because you didn't know which Shawn Michaels was going to show up that week, you know. Anyway. And they were also – they. I think Vince was also
0: honestly trying to keep him happy because he was concerned about losing him.
1: Yeah. So,
0: of
2: course. I was just and trying it- to think along the logic of putting Sean in there because you have Austin who – Really ain't a face at this time because at the at the beginning of that promo and stuff, he was like, "I don't know what you're uh, what you're all cheering for." I did it all by myself, you know, still being heel. But then you got Brett, and he's like, "Screw America!" And they're like, "Boo!" Well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the, like maybe like, they just threw Sean in there for that. Well, actually, a,
0: a pop from the injury thing. Actually, the thing with honestly with. Sean and like Austin it wasn't that Sean was trying to help Austin or Austin was trying to help Sean it's that both of them hate Bret Hart right. right and the Hart Foundation you know what I mean so the it's enemy, like John Michael's is my is my friend yeah Sean isn't coming out there to help Bret or Sean isn't coming out there to help Austin Sean's coming out there to kick the shit out of some Hart Foundation people so he doesn't like that so they became like a union and it's going to happen a little bit when Sean's knees better But they became a union out of necessity type of thing. And it's actually a pretty cool story that we'll get into. Um, Brett, at this time, I didn't realize it as a kid, but I think Brett is, and and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not a wrestler. I don't know. But I think Brett's Brett's legitimately hurt here. Like, this was all set up to get him in that wheelchair. Because I think if you watch the match, like, Brett... Brett's in jeans, Brett's, in, you know what I mean? Like, I think this was all set up because Brett was actually fucking hurt. No, he, was he yeah. wasn't.
1: He wasn't. No, for sure, he wasn't hurt at this time.
0: Because if you watch the match, he's really, he's limping pretty bad. And, and, and Steve isn't, Steve's going at it, but he ain't going at it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, and it's still effective because both these guys are fucking professionals, but that's the whole reason Brett was not That's why the whole reason they said the street fight was because Brett's knee was probably wrapped, wrapped a fuck. And it's, it was just, it was good shit. And it's also impressive that it was so good with the fact that Brett was hurt. You mm-hmm. know? And then, um, Brett ends up trying to, um, Pillman, austin but austin moves out of the way and then austin gets the sharpshooter on brett which brings wwf referees out asking him to break it and they end up getting the sharpshooter off of him or they end up getting austin out of the sharpshooter on brett and it kind of ends with um just the officials stopping the match because it got, the no screw got and and there's no contest um Mark, you watched the show as well. I don't. I don't think I missed anything, did I? If I did, go feel free to let me know. No, the thing that I was drinking when I watched the the
2: the thing that got me about it is, you know, it was only it was only eight minutes, but they packed so much action and shit into that eight minutes that you didn't even realize, hey, that was only eight minutes.
0: Yeah. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Do you guys have anything else on the actual street fight? Because shit's about to pop off here. Real quick, but I'll save my comment
3: for
1: when the shit pops
3: off because <laughs> that's it my was, favorite
1: part. It was it was really good, Um and like Aaron said, you're taking you're taking a Bret Hart that's that's most definitely injured. I can confirm that, and you're you're still making an entire TV show out of this, and. The booking is fantastic. The story is fantastic. The performers are fantastic, and that's why this is another prime example of this is my favorite year in wrestling history. Period.
0: So after the break, oh, a- after the break, um, Brett's laid out. Um, Owen and Bulldog are demanding medical attention for for Brett. The MTS are taking Brett to the um, the um, doctor's office or whatever doctor's room. And then it's, this is my favorite part of this whole fucking thing. Cause they're telling a story all throughout the show, but this is my favorite part. Austin is in the parking lot and he's in an argument with Gorilla Monsoon and Gorilla Monsoon's going, what the hell is wrong with you? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And, and Austin and Austin's yelling at Monsoon and saying that he should beat his fat ass. And then Monsoon swells up to him. Tells him to get out of the locker. Get out of the arena. And Austin's like. Huh? And he's a little taken aback. And he's like I'm doing you a favor. I'm doing you a favor right now by leaving. And he runs away. It's the only time. Steve Austin and his Stone Cold's character. in the entire history of his character. Was like nope. I'm not fucking with this guy. like he was like his character was like i'm not gonna fucking fight gorilla monsoon right now this dude's a badass this is gorilla monsoon you you know what i'm saying like it's the only guy that he was he backpedaled from like all right i'm doing it not even like i'm leaving i'll do it he's like i'm doing you a favor even though he's fucking backpedaling from gorilla monsoon (laughs) i love it. it it's like oh go ahead sorry completely off off the
2: topic though it was as soon as you said that my wife walks in from works and shoots me a bird <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's cold. i'm sitting here listening to that and getting the visual from her she knows what's going on and then she puts <laughs> me the bird like she's stone cold
0: that's funny but i love the fact that fucking stone cold Steve and was trying to be Big dog and Gorilla Monsoon, and then Gorilla Monsoon fucking swelled up, and he's like, All right, I'm doing you a favor. I'm leaving. I'm out. Like, Gorilla's the only guy he never stunned. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, yeah. Steve yeah. Austin being afraid of Gorilla Monsoon and running away from him in a parking lot's fantastic.
2: Well, I mean, Gorilla wasn't a small
0: guy, though. No, and that's I mean, what I'm saying. It's like, Oh, Jesus Christ. Gorilla's like, pissed. So I, I, I wouldn't want to
2: see him in a dark alley. That's all I know. I don't
0: know. No. Me neither. Well, Austin was like, this guy's connected. I need to get yeah. out of here. <laughs> You're gonna Find me headless in a dumpster. He uh, he
2: always had that that creepy smile to me. Like when Gorilla Monsoon smiled, it was like, I don't know if something cool's facing to happen. Like if I'm supposed to be happy right now or if somebody's facing to get whacked.
0: Yeah. Um, um. side story there was a guy Piper talks about it and um, there was apparently a wallet thief in the WWF locker room and they didn't know who was who was stealing wallets but somebody was going through people's wallets and shit and um, Monsoon had one of the like nobody was stealing Monsoon's wallet you know obviously but Monsoon had somebody put shit on their money that would show up on your hands, you know, or like would, would it was like a deal where like if if it was on your hands it would fuck with you, and they had them put that on their money, and then okay we'll find out like now whose hands are like ah oh, my hands are burning or whatever, and they found out who it was, and Piper wouldn't say who the thief was because it's fucking wrestling, you know. Like we know who the thief was, but we're not going to out this guy. And they found out who it was, and then Monsoon, um, Arnold Sculun, and somebody else—I don't remember who it was—waited until that guy got in the shower, and then they beat the fuck out of him with like soap, like soap-filled socks. And they were like, "Why are you like? Why are you doing this?" And they were like, "The McMahon steal our money, and now you're stealing it too." Like. <laughs> That's a great line. Like, the promoters are robbing us. Now you're robbing us? You're one of us. You were one of us, you know? It, it was a... I just love that story. Um, so, sorry, I lost where we were at. Tiger Ali thing. Oh, yeah. We had to watch... Um, we had to watch a... Um, Recap of him winning the Kuwaiti Cup, but now we have to actually watch him wrestle. And he's wrestling Salvatore Sincere. Um, Didn't didn't we just trash him on the We Can't Wrestle? (laughs) Yes, we did. Oh, yeah. Um, This match was flatter than a 13-year-old girl. This was bad. (laughs) Like, well, I'll be honest. Out of
2: those two, though, Salvatore was more over with me than Tiger oh, yeah. Ali was.
0: Oh, don't get me wrong, obviously. But this match was really bad. Um, the only note I have of it is that this is the match where they're showing Brett now being loaded into the ambulance because Owen and Bulldog are demanding that he gets taken to the medical facility for, atten- for attention. Um, Tiger Ali's Tiger Ali Singh wins with a spin wheel kick for the one two three. Pretty lame. You guys, you anything on the match itself?
1: No, but nobody rocks a windbreaker outfit like Owen Hart. <laughs> I will say well, that right now.
3: I'd like to go back to um, what Mark said about Tiger Ali Singh not being over. His managerial skills with Lowdown was one of the best I've ever seen. So you take that back, Mark. <laughs>
2: Okay, okay, well, at this point, he wasn't over with me. Okay, I'm sorry.
0: The only thing that guy ever said that made me laugh was, "What's a Drew Carey?"
1: <laughs> he's one right. of the he's one of the worst financial investments Vince McMahon ever made because he got a deal that was like uh, like a main event main event star pay, and has there ever been a uh, what do you want to say? Uh, somebody they spent so much money on that was such a flop. Oh, yeah. He was definitely and, and, a flop. And
0: I'm not a geographical fucking mastermind. I don't know where fucking places are at. But, is like, why has Vince always been had such a hard-on about... I know there's a lot of money over there and shit, but he's always just wanted to, like,
1: get into that region of the world. India? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, I don't I understand.
1: That's one of the few. That's one of the few countries on the planet that they produce their own programming for. You know, most con- most countries just get raw or get superstars or whatever, and you get it how it was presented in the United States. In India, they have their own shows with their sometimes with their own stars, and yeah, I nope. mean it's <laughs> it's just it's just a big market, and yeah, they're always trying to get into it. Like, I don't know if you just thought it was like an untapped deal or whatever, but. Whatever. DNA um, hmm. had an entire Indian promotion. In the cop. Yeah. And it was bad. Mm-hmm.
3: Scott Steiner had to resort to beating up fans in order to get any kind of publicity for it.
0: <laughs> I don't think he did that just for publicity. I think they were just like, well, well Scott's right. beating up fans. Let's do something. Right. <laughs>
3: they didn't Scott try to stop do him, though, Aaron. I don't.
2: He, he said something to me and I asked him what it was and he never answered me, so I just hit him.
1: That's <laughs> a perfectly rational reaction, right? Right. Um, so
0: now Brett is getting loaded into the ambulance. This is my okay? favorite part. This
3: is my favorite part.
0: And and it's it's Brett's getting loaded into the ambulance, and Steve Austin is in the the cab of the ambulance. And, yep. and this this is where I'm going to go with talking about, like, WWF at the time having fucking logic was the reason Steve Austin was able to get in the ambulance was because Gorilla Monsoon kicked him out of the arena. Right. <laughs> so he was like, fuck it. I'm out here. They're going to load him in. I'll just kick the shit out of Greg, who's driving the right. fucking ambulance. And i get it. And, and, and Steve didn't even really kick the shit out of him. He just had him in a headlock and said, If you say one goddamn word, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to beat up a working man. I'm a working man. So don't say a goddamn word or I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And that's how he wound up in the fucking ambulance. Because if wrestling is real, Steve Austin stuck outside and he's like, Oh, there's an ambulance. Oh, hey, look, you. there's Greg. I'm him. There's Greg. I want to get him out of there. And Steve, um, Proceeds to run into the back of the ambulance and starts kicking the shit out of Brett and Owen. His and line
3: was the best. His line at that moment was the best. I ain't done with you yet, boy, and he just runs into the back of the ambulance.
0: So, um, like I said, that 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 was where the story. That's where the, that's where you're like, oh well. How, how would a Steve Austin known to have been in an ambulance? Well, that's how he knew, because he was standing outside the fucking civic center or whatever, pissed off, and then realized what was going on and commandeered it. So, well, I mean, I'm
2: pretty sure they don't have a gang of ambulances just sitting outside of the fucking arena either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's one in case of emergency, and then, boom, they come, they go drop whoever off, and then they're going to come back in case we need them or they're going to send a replacement.
0: Yeah, so so that's where this the is. local medical in. facility. It's great fucking storytelling. and um,
1: My they, comment?
0: Yes, I was going to ask you. I know you got something.
1: It's a fantastic segment. Yes. One of the best in raw history. And for those of you that listen to our shows that may wonder why sometimes, especially me, as an old fogey wrestling fan. Oh, you're not an old fogey. Well, as far as a wrestling fan goes, I am. Here's your difference. Here's why this is 1,272.7 times better than anything you're seeing on TV today. First, if this was WWE today, there would be seven high-definition cameras inside the ambulance. We'd be switching between every single one of them, and it would look choreographed and stupid. Whereas with this, it was like one cameraman in a panic. If it was AEW, there would be some flippy shit going on on top of the ambulance. And then Tony Khan would come out and hug the winner. And it would be the most outrageous, stupid garbage you've ever seen in your life. Uh, Orange Cassidy might be there, too, to toe-tap somebody. And then they'll sell for it like a fucking idiot. But anyway, that's why wrestling then is better than sports entertainment now because it's just – it's so much more visceral. It's so much more visceral. Maybe you left out
3: one thing. What's that? If it was modern product happening today, the following week's show, the guy who was in the ambulance would show back up on the same ambulance to the next week's show in a different city, in a different state, in a different ambulance company. But it would somehow (laughs) make sense. (laughs) <laughs> I'm tired of that happening lately. That's happened the last two years running. And it's like, how the fuck did he get back to the arena in the same ambulance?
0: <laughs> so this happens, and um, it's funny. Like, I talked about um, Ross kind of botching the opening. There's a production botch in this, and it's the only thing. And I had to rewind it. And I don't know if you guys heard it. But... Owen and Bulldog are talking after the ambulance leaves. And you don't hear what Owen says, like the camera wasn't close enough or whatever. And you can audibly hear Bruce, like, Owen, like, it's like mumbled. And you can audibly hear Bruce Pritchard say, Owen, say it again.
1: <laughs>
0: Owen goes, He's going to pay. We're going to kill him. Like, that's what he said originally, but it was so muffled. And Pritchard got caught on camera saying, Owen, oh, say it again. And then Owen said it again. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that, but it, it happened. But eh, whatever. I, I'm not going to fucking shit on it because it was a great segment.
1: We're live, pal.
0: Yeah, just fucking do it again. Do um, you guys got anything else on that? Because the next thing will be pretty quick. Because um, the next thing is... Um, uh, these poor saps have to go out after that. It's the real double J versus rockabilly with the honky tonk man. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Um, it's actually in my notes. Fucking Christ. Yeah. it's a pity neither one
3: of these guys became anything big after their rockabilly yeah. double J careers.
0: Yeah. Um, Basically, during the match, they use this as the opportunity to discuss more about um, Paul Barrett getting barbecued. Um, Then Rockabilly ends up getting the shake, rattle, and roll on Jesse James um, and pinning him. And then Jesse James attacks Rockabilly after the match, and the Honky Tonk Man bashes Double J with with the guitar on the shoulder, and that's mercifully how that ended. So I have one question. Why the fuck
2: did they not do this this match right here at the pay-per-view versus yeah. that bullshit roll-up finish yeah. when yeah, you had all saying. those fucked-up finishes to begin with? I'm like, because
1: because, because the day before, Jesse James, had, he had spent his whole day working all hard on the go. And the hands on the clock were just spinning too slow. Oh, so he just couldn't wait to get home to his baby that night. Yeah. And he turned the lights on, closed the
0: door.
2: I just, I just literally thought, though, that that would be. I'm ready to more leave every worry in, in the world behind.
0: It. Yeah. And I'm just going to eat this hot pocket and go to bed. And then how that song ends? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is.
1: Yes. At the end, Jesse James goes.
0: Hot pocket, hot pocket. Hot pocket. <laughs>
2: but yeah, I just thought it would be better on the pay per view, like that, with an actual finish versus that roll up bullshit. I just yeah, you're right the the, the booking the backwards. booking
1: was yeah the booking was definitely backwards. It was like,
2: backwards. At the pay per view, you have this happen. Mister Ass that. backwards? And, and then the for this raw. Then you have a win with the roll up to get his revenge. Boom! That would have been better, and that story probably would have took off a lot better. No, I don't mean, think they were looking for of either of the one of gimmicks,
3: but... <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think they were looking for either one of these guys to really have any kind of momentum or, or take off on a storyline. Jesse James was being used as a joke towards double J uh, towards Jeff Jarrett, who left, and whoever thought putting Billy Gunn with the Honky Tonk Man was a good idea. When the guy couldn't even barely dance, but you know, it's like alone, it's like we it's like you know. we
1: discussed. And I know you weren't here last week, Archie, but it's like we discussed last. Week. It in. Well, and with with <laughs> us with me talking about it on slice of time, we we, we deduced that the stupid rockabilly thing was. Probably a hundred percent because Disco Inferno didn't sign with right. WWE I right. he was I get that? his protege. So Can I get that. Yeah, you 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 have something. You have a, an angle with no teeth from the very beginning, and right. much like the Sultan, it is this goofy gimmick thing wrapped up. And you, like Aaron said, you're following you're following Steve Austin and Bret Hart in the ambulance right. with this right. garbage. It has no chance, no chance. It's, it's,
2: it's but, bad. But how we were talking about too, you know, the evolution of the eras. What worked back in like the golden era and stuff like that, you can see the transition towards this attitude era where those gimmicks are no longer going to
3: work. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Right. right. And the only good thing that really came out of this was when Billy Gunn and Road Dog finally decided to scrap these two gimmicks. And WWE were like, all right, what do you guys want to do? Well, don't worry, we'll do it. And they went out
1: and. And putting them together, them. Put it, and I, I'll right. let Aaron get back on track with his show. Putting That's them right. together is one of the best, The I, I will give credit where credit's due. It's one of Vince Rousseau's nah, best. Nah, decisions. Nah, 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 nah. I thought you were going to say that. It wasn't. I thought it was. Was it Cornette? Nope. nope. Vince Russo
0: thought it was fucking dumb. Hmm. He thought Rockabilly and Jesse James were trash. Like he he got on. He has gone on record of saying this is one of the things that he showed Vince. Of this is why your company's in the shitter, because you have fucking Jesse James and Rockabilly out there. So you know, I thought, it, I thought it was a good
1: idea to put them together. No, no,
0: oh. And McMahon was like, "Well, I've been watching these guys, again, and I'm hearing nothing. Of the, I'm hearing nothing but glowing reviews from the agents about how well they're working together. Like the, <laughs> the, the show might suck, like the the angle might suck, but they're they have a they have a a chemistry together, and Vince." was the guy that said, let's put them together as a team. And Russo was like, that ain't going to work. And Vince is like, it's my money, my idea, do it. And he did it. And it fucking worked. That wasn't a Russo idea. And that's from his own fucking mouth. That I don't know idea. that Russo had many ideas, I'll be honest. but Oh, he had a lot of them. They were,
2: no. I mean, the ones he had were real fucking winners. I'll tell you yeah.
3: that. Yeah, midget in a trap can jerk and all. <laughs>
0: That's an that. inside joke between me. And <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I was just being funny. Um, so the next thing is HBK and Austin confronting each other, and Monsoon getting between them. And then we get a Mankind promo um, from the Boiler Room talking about how he's um, lost because he doesn't have Uncle Paul because Uncle Paul got burned, and now he's in, he has to have his surgery. And he where's Uncle Paul? He's fucking freaking out um it was good shit then we roll into um the undertaker in a non title match versus triple h with china um this is kind of a long lumbering match i don't know if you guys agree and it wasn't bad but it was just like why why is this here i don't understand it was um 12 minutes and 30 seconds yeah it was rough um one thing is, um, my first note is, I wish China never actually wrestled. I really do. <laughs> and, and and not saying like she was even like a terrible wrestler because she wasn't the shits, but I just wish she never worked as a, as a wrestler. I wish she would have always just stayed <coughs> as being a fucking eater for whoever she was with because her look, her style, her stance, all of that shit was really good, but the minute you had her like working with dudes and doing all that shit fucking ruined it. I think her actually getting into the ring ruined her fucking career.
1: And also at this time, you said the lumbering match between Hunter and Taker. Also at this time, and I think maybe that's why um, Until until he hits probably his feud with The Rock... Um, If you ever notice, I kind of changed my tune on Triple H, and I never realized it before. Until he, he, until he gets his feud with The Rock in 98, Hunter was still wrestling the style that Killer Kowalski taught him from the 1970s. It wasn't that it was bad, but it was kind of boring, if that makes sense. Yeah. Once he found himself working with The Rock in 98... Um, he really turns it up, and it's a whole different, excuse to pun, a whole different game. But I agree with you. It's lumbering because, again, t- at this time, Taker's not exactly Mr. Workhorse. He's probably plagued with injuries because the late 90s were terrible injuries with him because, uh, as we've discussed on other shows, they put him in, re- in the ring with guys that were fucking hurting him. And um, Hunter was still wrestling, that killer, Kowalski. You know, he hadn't shaken off his... his, his his mentor, yet you know what I mean. Yeah, stomp him in the ear. <laughs> yeah, that might have worked in 72 against Bruno, but fuck's sake, it's 97. Yeah, boring killer
0: calls. Work, work over the ear.
1: <laughs> what the anyway, sorry.
0: One of the dumbest, but uh, I should I don't know if, you know if I should bring this up. If you don't think you can edit it out. There was a video on YouTube where it said Chris Be- or <laughs> Triple H dedicates his match to Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I I've click on it. it. I, I click it. on it and it's triple H and he and you don't even see who he beats, but he just he wins his match and he just points up to the sky and he goes, This one's for the killer. Yeah, I've seen And it was like right after Killer Kowalski died. That's (laughs) fucked up. That is fucked up. That's (laughs) kind of funny, though. Um, So, my next note on that match is that this actually is the first time talking about China never should have wrestled and her being um, Hunter's Heater. This is the first time that China backed down from somebody, too. Like, Okay, whoa, no, like, <laughs> like her character was ready to swell up on the Undertaker, and then because Undertaker attacks Hunter in the in the uh, in the entrance, if I remember right, and she's gonna go try to get some shit on Taker, and he looks at her and she's like, "All right, never mind," just kind of backs off. Like, I ain't fucking with the Undertaker, <laughs> and part of it is the fact that Undertaker is probably like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna." Fucking it's not even Undertaker saying he was not going to. It was probably fucking Vince being like, China's not gonna body slam the fucking Undertaker. Like that shit ain't gonna happen. And um so that that was just one note I had it might be it might be a dumb note or whatever, but it's just something I noticed. And then during the commentary, for some reason they're talking about Brooke Shields and um Andre Agassiz have now announced that they're dating. I don't know why they <laughs> Brought that up. But anybody- they, like
1: to, they like to bring up topical things on the show to prove it was live.
0: That's what it was.
1: Yeah, because they did it with the taped shows, you know, like Fat Boy died, stuff like that, and um, that. Yeah, so I think it carried over to even when they were a live show. They just wanted you to know the show was live. So we're commentating on 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 whatever's going on in the news or whatever.
2: So, right? Like it could be a National Enquirer headline, but fuck it, mention it.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then they show um, Dustin Rhodes and Terry wrote Dustin Runnels as they call him and Terry out in the crowd, not in their um, gimmicks or whatever. They're in street clothes. So they show that they're out in the crowd watching the match. It's it's still lumbering around. It's doing its thing, and then mankind shows up with a blowtorch. <laughs> and to me this this was um this was a vince russo idea i think like this is like the first like vent like i don't think fucking jim ross or jim Cornette or pat patterson were like and then we'll have mankind show up with a blowtorch i think this was Rousseau going Hey he's gonna have a fucking blowtorch, bro it'll be fantastic and honestly it was kind of cool um and uh, Mankind, um, like I said, he comes out with the blowtorch. He's getting involved in the match. Um, Mankind tries to ignite the blowtorch again, but fails. The
2: shit out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Tager gets advantage of Mankind, and they brawl away. And um, it kind of ends with no really answer to how the match ended. Just like, okay, well, a guy came out with a blowtorch. We're not going to count the Undertaker out. I mean, it was a fucking blowtorch. So,
2: no, it ends uh, in- they, they did the Undertaker win him by disqualification, right?
0: Well, did they? I didn't hear him announce it, but yeah, on um, the results,
2: that's what it says.
0: Okay. Um, and then Triple H and Shiner just kind of standing there like, holy shit, that, that fucking happened. And as, they, as they're watching these two fucking psychopaths brawl to the back, um, um, Gold Dust and Terry attack Triple H from the and China from the crowd, and it ends with those four getting pulled apart. Bro,
3: hear me out. Summerslam, Triple H versus Gold Dust versus Mankind versus The Undertaker, blowtorch on a pole.
1: <laughs> and it, it, if we've learned anything over Revenge of the Taker weekend, Sunday and Monday, it's. Don't ever put Mick Foley in the ring with something he's got to set on fire in the WWF. Right. It's yeah. not gonna I mean, That's not going to work.
3: That's
0: not
2: stationary.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. We'll put the
0: we'll we'll put the pole. We'll put the blowtorch on the bro, bro. We'll we'll put the blowtorch on the pole. We'll put the blowtorch on the pole, and then we'll what? put that what? we'll we'll put that melon baller thing that you got to use to like you know ignite it. Like the melon ball under the rail. Talking about Under the Ring. No, no, bro, bro. (laughs) No. That'd be too obvious. We're gonna hang like three like like igloo coolers from the other room, From the other cooler. And they gotta bring them down. And they gotta figure out which igloo cooler the melon ball is in to get the fucking blowtorch going. Like you might hit it. You might get that Eglo Kula, fucking uh, shrimp. What the fuck? I don't need no shrimp. The other one, it's got like you know Skittles, taste the rainbow. the other sponsor. one, the other one, there. You gotta get the sponsor out there. And then the other one, that's got
1: the melon baller. In it. I don't know what you call that thing. You start. They, op- they open up the one Kula. It's a contortionist. It's crazy, bro. Yeah, it's fucking Kevin Sullivan. What <laughs>
0: the And it turns out he's been, with, he's been with the Undertaker the whole time.
3: For,
2: for future, reference, <laughs> yeah, they so open up the cooler. literally they, just
3: called a striker.
2: right
0: they, they,
1: mass strikers in there. Mass they, strikers. They, <laughs> they open up. They open up the cooler, and Kevin Sullivan's in it, and they look disappointed. And he's like, nobody said life was gonna, gonna be. be easy. And then they open up the last cooler.
3: And Chris Canyon pops out, and he's like, "Who better than Canyon? <laughs> Who better, Canyon?" <Kane? laughs> but wait, Canyon doesn't work here, Vince. I don't. We'll get him on the roster. Don't worry. Do
1: you really want to hurt right. me? Right. <laughs> well,
0: I don't know how we got here, but I know where we're going next. Steve Austin comes back out, and Vince interviews him, and Austin mm-hmm. is still kind of shitting on the fans and Vince is trying to interview him, and, and he tells Vince to stick it up his ass, and Vince is a little combative with Austin about how he, he is kind of his fault, what happened with Brett, this, that, and the other thing, and um, Austin tells Vince that if he doesn't shut up, he's going to knock him on his ass, okay, basically, and the significant note in my mind watching it was when he told him he was gonna knock him on his ass, it's the first time that Vince McMahon and Steve Austin have like a heat field stare at each other. Did you guys notice that? Vince, yeah, Vince kind of puffs up. Yeah, because earlier, like when Steve was like talking shit, like in the first interview, he was kind of like laughing. He was kind of doing the Shawn Michaels. Vince McMahon interview with him, like, <laughs> or whatever, but when he's like, I'll knock you on your ass, Vince is like, I don't like that, you know? So, um, then Owen and Bulldog um, attack Austin. They, they they jump him. Vince tries to break it up, and Owen puts Vince on his ass, and the fans kind of pop for that, and then Steve, or HBK comes out again with a chair and runs off Owen and Bulldog and um, Austin's trying to get up on his own. He finally gets to his feet a little bit. And then we get the return of Brian motherfucking Pillman. And Brian Pillman jumps the rail, attacks Austin, and bashes the fuck out of him with a steel chair. And um that's, that's how Raw ends. Or, well, HBK runs off Pillman. But this is where... There's a there's a Steve Austin documentary and a book or whatever where he talks about how Pillman fucking even though they were best friends fucking laid it into him like that 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 fucking V little scar that he has on the back of his head or the back of his neck or whatever he's like that 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 was from Brian he's like Brian was like I gotta come back fucking full blown and just fucking wailed him with that chair and, and that's the testament to like. What I think wrestlers were and
1: what wrestlers are now—it's like yeah.
0: awesome. I was like, hey, fuck it, that's that's my
1: boy." He was he, his adrenaline was flowing. Yeah, it happened, and and um,
0: I remember as a kid being super fucking excited that Brian Pillman was back. So, um,
2: God, I got sorry. one comment on that. Uh, don't show this fucking segment to Chad because then all he's gonna talk about is his tie tie fucking pajama pants.
0: That made it even crazier. It's like this guy showed up looking like a hobo. Like a Seattle hobo and just cracks Steve Boss in the back of the head with a fucking chair. It's like I it's like part of me almost forgot that it happened. You know what I mean? Right. I watch. i like, oh, this whole fucking show happens, and the the end of it is fucking Brian Pillman's crazy ass showing back up and fucking clock like clocking Steve with that chair, and it's like, I, like my I last just, note, my last note is I just fucking miss Brian Pillman. There's not a lot of wrestlers that are gone that I'm just like, man, I wish that guy was still around. Or how would, that, how would that guy's career have gone if it didn't happen? But I racked my brain a lot being like, I think that dude would have had a gangbuster fucking career if he would have lived. No, oh, the way.
1: Attitude Era would have been Brian Pillman's fucking playground. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt.
3: But it's- you have to wonder, would he have left after what happened to Brett? No.
1: You know what I mean? I think he was he was he had respect for the Hart family and et cetera, but I think his friendship with Steve was more important to him. And Yeah, I agree with that. And and yeah, I just I don't know. I just think, man, the attitude there. I think about that. That would have been Brian's fucking sandbox, man. He would have been there was there <clears throat> other than Steve Austin and The Rock and probably Mick. There was nobody better made for that era of wrestling than Brian Pillman, and I don't, I don't think he would have left for Brett
0: because I think he would have been a guy that would have been like, I think I, and I know you guys shit on him and and everybody does, but I, I think he does have his good qualities. I think Vince, I think he would have been like Vince Russo knows what to do with my fucking character. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Yeah. Like, this guy knows what to do with my fucking character. Mm-hmm. I think he would have stuck around. I'm not saying he would have ever been the fucking WW, WWF champion, but that dude's fucking career would be talked about completely different than what it is now. Oh, definitely. So, um, that's how Raw ends. I gave Raw a B+. Plus, um just because there was some there was some fucking shit in it, you know what I mean. Like if you could, you could have taken out fucking Tiger Ali Sang versus fucking Sal Sincere and fucking. Where I,
1: where, I, where I will give it an A and forgive that stuff is during those shitty things they were talking about cool shit. They were talking. Yeah, it was it was a time to to decompress and talk about what what else was going on. Yeah, so it all served a purpose.
2: And you really screwed me up because you was like, I don't know how we
1: got there, but I know where we're
2: going. And I thought you were going to segue into us going into Nitro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, we're going into Nitro now, unless you guys got anything else. Nope. No. All right. So um, WCW Nitro, April 21st, 1997, <coughs> this is in Saginaw, Michigan. I know how to pronounce that. And they're at the Saginaw Civic Center. Um, the show opens with J.J. Dillon arriving in, an, in a limousine surrounded by some security. Um, Tony Shivani speculates on why um, J.J. Dillon's there and uh, mentions that we haven't seen J.J. in years um, since his time managing the Four Horsemen. And this is basically JJ quitting the WWF because they weren't going to give him, they they didn't want to give him any more money. And they were putting guys like Al Hayes and all these people. So what I'm assuming is this was when his, I'm, I'm going to quit and go home. Well, now your contract's out and we don't have to pay you Mm -hmm. anymore at all. Um, so JJ is now back with the WCW, um, they don't. They don't know why he's here. Um, so the opening match is a United States Championship match with United States Champion Dean Malenko defending against Eugene Nagata. This is Eugene Nagata's WCW debut. He's not in your um, outfit that you. I don't know if you guys are fans of Eugene Nagata or not. The shoulder pads, the black yeah, with the shoulder pads. That not, he's not in his short tights with his pads yet. He's he's wearing like a like ninja pants or whatever. Um, he's not they, with Tony Ono yet either. Yeah, he's not. Um, yeah. Reggie White's shown in the crowd. He'll be facing Mongo McMichael at Slamboree. I mean, Good God. I don't um, put butts in the seats. No, it will not. Um, yes, it will. <laughs> One of But one of my notes is, and it says, rightfully so, the WCW crowd, like the WCW audience, was always fucking amped for him, Malenko. Always fucking amped for him. And he's one of the examples of a guy that, and there's not a lot of guys you can say this about, that were better in WCW than the WWF. I agree. You know? Like, WCW knew... Like, Kevin Sullivan knew how to use Dean Malenko more than how the fucking WWF did. Like,
2: to me better than the ECW, too.
0: Um, um. So, Malenko ends up winning this match with the Texas Cloverleaf, and it's a decent little match. Nothing wrong with it. Um, it was just a way to get Dean out there and get him over. So was what it was. Unless you guys have any else, anything else to say about that? Um, I I like the way Dean was booked throughout
3: his entire WCW career. You know, they catapulted him to the US title first and then he came down to the United States title, uh, to the the, he was with the US title first and then he came down to the Cruiserweight title. His matches with Eddie and Ray and Jericho were some of the best things WCW produced at that time, so...
2: Uh. I will say too, Yuji
3: Nagata is one
2: that I don't have to do like Nate says and pretend I watch Japanese wrestling.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, Yuji was really good. Um The next in Kurosawa, yeah, I don't know a lot about Kurosawa other than the fact that he was in WCW. Like if he had a new J- if he had a Japan career, I have no fucking idea. Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> um. The next match is something that I don't even know. Anyway, the next match is Cyclope versus Glacier. Good God. Um, Sub-Zero versus Triclops. It's a a bunch of nothing in the match. They bring Glacier out. Um, Apparently, at this point, I didn't realize it, and they might be fucking making it up. I don't know. But they're saying that Glacier has the one record nobody else can say in wrestling, he's undefeated. So nobody has defeated Glacier. Um From Mortis gets there. Well, he's he's about well mortis is already there. Glacier Mortis hasn't beat him yet.
3: Uh um, not yet. Oh, uh, Rath
0: hasn't gotten there yet. He's about he has too. You gotta oh. you haven't been around
3: for a couple of weeks, buddy. <laughs> You guys are doing all the big reveals without me All right,
1: fine. Yes.
2: Actually, yeah, this is the, the big episode reveal. that shit happens.
1: Yeah, here's the big reveal. It's yes. Adam Bomb with a big fucking helmet. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Glacier wins this match fairly quickly with a chronic with a with a with a cryonic kick or whatever.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, sounds better. You know what my biggest uh, thing about Glacier is <laughs> I was waiting for Nate to time <laughs> Ray Lloyd was really good. Well, yes, Ray Lloyd was a really good wrestler. They just saddled him with that stupid gimmick. That's like, actually in my notes. My notes. My notes. Avoid, uh, avoid
0: the notes. Avoid the notes. Avoid the notes. That's actually in my notes. Ray Lloyd. No, I want that actually, Ray Lloyd was actually really good. They just gave him a shit gimmick. That is literally in my notes.
1: Yes. He that was supposed to be the big thing before the NWO, the blood runs cold thing, <clears throat> and they ran with it anyway, and they should have given him something else. Because really, honest to God, Ray Lloyd was a solid. Yeah, fucking but Nate,
3: guy. Nate, they invested all that money in those promos they were running, all the money in his gear, and five hundred thousand to get his entrance ready. Like eh, it's it, WCW, it's, they wasted money yeah, on everything. But, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this wasn't Bret Hart coming in and then botching him. At this point, Bischoff wasn't really in charge of the checkbook just yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they were pulling the reins back a little. So they were like, yeah, just throw him out there to the Lions and whatever happens, happens.
1: You know? Yeah, because I mean, if you really think about it, <clears throat> the Blood Runs Cold deal, even though it stunk on like a gimmick level, you've got Ray Lloyd and Chris Canyon... How do you go wrong? Those two guys were amazing. They had great matches. Yeah, the matches were great.
3: Yeah, Just you know the how you shit go
1: around it. The shit, the shit that it was mixed up with was garbage. You know how you go wrong with it? You had Ernest
3: Miller too. <laughs> so,
0: Glacier wins with the... With- Glacier wins with the Kinko's kick or whatever he calls it. The Kinko's
2: yeah. kick. The cry on it kick. You can't copy yeah. that.
0: I like the Kinko's <laughs> kick
3: because you know what? That works for his gimmick. He didn't want nobody else doing a super kick when he did it.
0: So Glacier's like doing his little fucking dance after he wins. And um, then all of a sudden some eerie music plays and then stupid Wrath comes out. You're not calling him Wrath yet. <laughs> If they He's haven't gave it. Father James Vanderbeek. Right? No,
2: they're saying who James is this guy?
0: <laughs> Archie did a little callback there, Father yep. James. Long term booking.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that. It's a little callback. Um. So stupid wrath comes out. They haven't called him Wrath yet. He's distracting. He's distracting Glacier, and then Mortis comes out from underneath the ring. And he's got James Vandenberg with him, and they attack Glacier, and they they steal his helmet, and then because they
3: wanted they, that helmet for some reason,
0: <laughs> and Like like Mortis was like, look, stupid Wrath, you have a helmet, I want a helmet, and James right. Vandenberg was like, I'm not getting paid a lot, I'm getting paid like Saturday Night Money. So I can't afford two helmets. So if you guys need another helmet, we gotta we gotta we gotta beat up Ray. Take his helmet. Right, we need his helmet. It's nice and blue.
2: The gist of the storyline is helmet on, motherfucker. Helmet yeah. on.
0: So so they kick the shit out of him, take his helmet, and then in a total dick move, they stab him in the eye with his own helmet. <laughs> and then they fucking That's leave. What you do.
3: What you do when you steal somebody's helmet, you stab them in the eye with them.
0: Stab in the eye with their own fucking helmet and then you fucking leave. You're like no. I was just wondering
2: if the helmet had
0: mystical fucking powers or something,
2: you know, the reason is why they were after it.
3: Well they How kept are. making a big deal about James Vanderburg being this collector of oddities and this is, the helmet was rare and something like that. But I mean if he wanted to collect oddities he should have just took Tergan and Golga from the WWF and called it a day, you know.
0: No, this was simply a man wanting a helmet and another guy not being able to afford it. I'm
1: listening to to all this. And then they were like,
0: he might be able to identify us. Let's stab him in the eye. And then when we get to court, we can be like, how would he know who we are? He only has one eye. And they were like, you don't realize that you were on basic cable television? Oh, shit.
3: Anyway, so then as Vanderberg is sitting there, they can be like, "I don't want to wait for my life to be over."
0: So that happened. Um, (laughs) So that happened. (laughs) Indeed,
2: it fucking did. It
0: happened. Definitely happened. And then, in a very anticlimactic way, they announced that James J. Dillon has been appointed the chairman of the WCW um, executive committee. Instead of like having JJ come out and get some <coughs> big response from the fans and Gene being like, "Why are you here, JJ?" and he goes, "I've been re- I've replaced Eric Bischoff and I'm JJ Dillon. You guys remember me, right?" And da 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 da. They just have Tony just kind of nonchalantly announce that James J. Dillon is now the WCW Executive Committee. See now,
3: if WWF and- would have been smart. They would have known about this ahead of schedule and reported on it on Raw. And been like, remember that guy that used to be a backstage booker with us? Well, he's about to be appointed their their vice president in charge of whatever. That'll put butts in there. that would have maybe saved them earlier. You know what I mean? I don't know.
0: But, but I just thought it was kind of lame. Like they should have had it like announced to the crowd. Um then I agree. Then they start to recap Sting confronting the NWO from last week. But then um, um, eastbound and down, Nick Patrick shows up. And uh, he uh, makes his case for being able to return to WCW. Zabisco's yelling at him. Um, He says that he didn't want to fight Randy Anderson, but he was forced into doing it. And that the end, like he thought, when the NWO started, it was going to be the little guy fighting the fighting the company and the corporation, and it turned into just a bunch of rogues and bullies. And he didn't want anything to do with it, and he wants to he wants to come back to WCW. And Zabisco yells at him some more, and he leaves. The, um,
2: thing, about, the thing about that whole thing is, is you know how they say some shit don't age well. The color of that damn shirt he had on definitely. Didn't have yeah, that was right. definitely, definitely. It was like puke green with purple accents, and it just didn't work for me.
1: Yeah, and it's like my nice. senior pictures. <laughs> oh my god, he, he was
0: dressed like a fucking geo tracker. It was terrible.
2: <laughs> so your senior pictures look like Nick Patrick got gotcha. <laughs>
3: my phalanges. <laughs> Nate, Nate is a very big Nick Patrick
0: fan They won So the next thing we get Is um, A WCW Television title match The Ultimo Dragon versus Bobby Eaton And gonna nope, go wrong there You're not nope. And Bobby Eaton comes out Ultimo Dragon comes out Ultimo Dragon is um, Accompanied by Sonny Ono <laughs> And I know what Nate's response was, but I don't think I've ever gotten you guys' this response. Um, and it can be a one like you can respond either way. Sonny Ono, yay or nay? Depending upon the person they put in with.
2: Like, because with some people I like them, and other people I was like, they're just fucking over do.
3: Archie? I'm I'm with Mark on that. When he was with Nagata and Ultimo Dragon, he was good. He actually played his part pretty well. But when they started putting him with Psychosis and LaParca and just anybody, it was just getting annoying. And his gimmick didn't have that much um
0: shelf life. So Alright. Um My other notes on this is um there's no doubt and I'm not even saying this because he's gone. I'd say this if he was still around. There's no doubt in my mind that Bobby Eaton is one of the top 50 greatest professional wrestlers to ever walk the earth. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, when man, we dude,
2: say that phrase, "master of the craft," legit.
0: That's Bobby. You like, and and the way he looked, he had no right to be that fucking good. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm not even knocking it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like right. This he looked like a fucking truck driver, but he was fucking great. You know? Right. Yeah. And then the other note, and I'll fight anybody on it, and I've told Nate this before, Ultimo Dragon is one of the coolest looking fucking wrestlers that's ever existed. Oh, definitely. Oh yeah. Like his fucking outfit was fucking pimp. And um the other note I have is the match that I watched, these guys. That this this was a roadshow match. Like these guys were working house shows, and they they had worked this match out in the house shows. Um, An Ultimo Dragon ends up winning the match with the dragon a dragon I almost said dragon sweeper a dragon sleeper, and that's how the match ends. I have no negatives about either one of the guys, anybody involved in it, and it was just a a good match to put Ultimo Ooh. out there. The dragon
3: sleeper would look like one of the most devastating holds because you're basically suffocating your opponent under your arm. And I don't know why more wrestlers don't use it as a finisher. And
0: then Mean Gene um, interviews Stephen Regal, Lord Stephen Regal, and and implies (laughs) that Lord Stephen Regal had got into a relationship with um, Sarah Ferguson and um, he says that spending time with Sarah Ferguson was like being in a ripped out bloody fireplace.
2: Was this a reference to her
0: badge? Yes! And
1: that it was very big. God bless that man. I'm on Twitter. And I don't follow a lot of pe- a lot of people on Twitter. I follow Regal. And he is genuinely and, and I've said this I've said this from the nineties to now number one, he's genuinely one of the top 15 pro wrestlers of anything I've ever seen. I always say of all time is subjective because there are old dirt bags that were still alive in the fifties. It'll be like, you know, Edward come or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. But I watched, I've seen three of his matches and they were all like in fast forward and there was no commentary and whatever. William Regal is one of the best wrestlers of all time, easily. He's one of the best personalities in wrestling cuz that guy is like a fucking chameleon. He can adapt to any situation he's in. He can be serious, he can be comedic, he can be, you know, he can be he can be the guy that's like pounding you down with his fists, Euro style. <laughs> And then dancing with Crime Time at SummerSlam, and with a sideways hat, and every bit of it is entertaining. What is that segment on Raw he did one time where he's like, "That was a complete abortion." He just said it on TV. He was like, "That was a complete abortion." I think it was the fucking Price's Right thing with uh, Bob Probably. Barker or whatever. But anyway,
0: just- uh, no, no, I think I I know what you're talking about. It was Santino. Okay. And they were doing like a fucking um, Dancing with Stars. Yes, that's what it was. Thing. Yes, that's and what Santino it was. Santino did whatever he did. And he said that's a, that segment should be mm-hmm. called Roe versus Way because that was a complete abortion. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't do that right now, obviously. That, that, a yeah, road. A
1: little timely. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and by the way, Nate, I want the name of this show to be Ripped Out Bloody Fireplace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Writing it down right now. All right.
0: So um, he said that, and then he talked about wanting his TV title back, and that he was going to get the Ultimo Dragon. And Ultimo Dragon and William Regal are going to hook it up at um, Slambury. So... <laughs> like. This fucking segment saved the fucking show, and I like it cracked me up when he said that fucking ripped out bloody fireplace. That was so fucking funny. Um, the next thing is Meng with Jimmy Hart, and they're putting over that Meng is now being set loose on his own by the Dungeon of Doom, and he is facing the worst incarnation of Chris Jericho, WCW Happy Chris Jericho, Happy. WCW Chris Jericho was bland as fuck. Had good matches, but the character itself
1: was fucking bland. Um, I'll disagree on one thing. I I agree that this is bad, but the worst (laughs) incarnation of Chris Jericho is yesterday and the day before that. Oh, fat... Like...
0: Chris Jericho right now?
1: Yeah, Chris Jericho right now is pathetic. And again, he's one of my top 10 wrestlers of all time. But he's not at that this point. At this point... No, at this point, he just needs to hang it up. But we're not talking about that now. We're talking about then. But you know, I'm yes. not, I don't really watch now, so I
0: don't know what he's doing. But it's at sad. this
1: point, it was kind of lame. Um,
0: during this match, even though it's a really good match, something, I don't know if you... I, I know uh Mark watched, Nate didn't, I don't know if Archie did. But something Ooh. during this match caught the attention of that entire fucking building. And the first I thought I thought like Randy Savage was coming out or somebody was gonna do a run-in or something like through the through the through the crowd. The only thing I can think is like there was like a fight or something like between fans because the entire audience goes, Ugh. Starts yeah, and starts not even the announcers never mentioned it, so if it would have yeah. been a
3: wrestler or something, they would have you know took it away from the match. It was Ming versus yeah. Jericho. They weren't above doing that.
0: So. so I I just think a couple fans probably got in a fight or something.
2: Um I mean uh, the match wasn't bad.
0: No, the match no, was No, not bad. at all. And um in Jericho's books, he puts over being friends with Mang and talking about how Mang was like like a cool dude. You better be match.
2: friends with Mang.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> you don't uh, want to be on his fucking bad side. Yeah, you don't, yeah, Mang's a fucking beast. And, um, um, one of my favorite stories that Jericho talked about was that, um, and he, he said he, uh, he's, he said he wasn't in the locker room for it. And, but anyway, um, Mang was, um, who was he with at some point? Meng was, it might've been like, like Chris Candido and Tammy or something like that. Sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't Chris here. It was Candido talking about it. Candido was talking about Meng and they were playing like Candido was playing cards with Meng and Tammy was with him. And Meng was just hanging out with them. And Bischoff was like, Hey Meng, I need to talk to you. And, and Mang was like, I'll, I'll get with you in a minute. And I'm, I'm talking to my friends. And Bischoff was like, Mang, I said, I need to speak with you. And Mang was like, I told you I'm hanging out with my friends. I'll get with you in a little bit. And then Bischoff pushed it again. And kind of Mang kind of stood up and said, for the last time I told you, I'm hanging out with my friends right now. I will get with you in a minute. And Bischoff was like, all right, I'll talk to you when you get a chance. (laughs) Like, this guy is, this guy's eating people's faces. Don't fuck with him.
3: Right. Right. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're running the company, but like, Ming was really going to be like, oh, okay, hold on. You know what I mean?
2: I mean, look at the size of Eric and
3: then look at the size of me. Right.
2: Right. (laughs) <laughs> easily just reach out and wrap his whole his whole neck up in his hand. It, it would not end well.
0: Yeah, so it, it, like Mang ain't nobody to fuck with. Um, Mang ends up winning this match. Um, Jericho tries to flip into him. Mang grabs him gives him the Tongan death grip. And um, Jericho taps out. The Mean Gene starts to interview Mang about facing Chris Benoit at Slamboree, which I'm looking forward to. Um, then Kevin Sullivan comes out and puts over Meng, basically saying that Meng is going to um, take out Benoit for him. And it, it it's kind of a strange interview because Meng's like, "You don't get
2: revenge for me. He stole my bitch."
0: Yeah, <laughs> and like Jackie's trying to like yell at Meng, and and Meng starts yelling at Jackie, and it kind of ends with. With Jimmy. What's he
2: say? Uh don't you put that on my man?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like Jackie was so good. Oh. Mark does a
3: pretty good Jackie impression.
0: Kevin Sullivan, he's all about the twerking and all that shit. Like he's down with it. You know, like too legit to quit. Yeah, but he's like, oh man, he's my best soldier. But I got my my big booty hoe over here, and they're arguing. Right. i got my yeah. white
2: girl, but here go here go Jackie.
0: Yeah, it's like I can't. You know, <laughs> like he's like I gotta I gotta I gotta get myself in the middle of this. I can't lose my biggest soldier and my
1: big booty hoe. Yes. Yes. Oh, who's who, who's with the finest blackest lady in the company? The Booker. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> Just talking about tea. Just saying, Kevin. <laughs> Nobody said life was gonna be easy.
0: (laughs) But they end up running away, or not running away, but all of them leave together. And then we get a highlight video of Chris Benoit. And um um, in the video it's just showing shit from like Benoit wrestling on like Saturday night and WCW Pro and all this shit. And I'm I'm saying that for a reason. And, And and guys I know show's getting a little longer than what it usually does. We don't usually have a four-man booth. But, um, I miss syndicated wrestling. Yeah, Like, I miss, like, WCW Pro, WCW Saturday Night, WWF Challenge, like, all that little odds and then shit, I miss that. And it's never gonna come back, I understand that, but I, I just wish that shit still existed. And I, I, act- I actually think, like, the different little sets and all that shit it was cool um
3: it definitely helped um them make the storylines a little better because you had those little interlocking shows on saturday and sunday mornings or even the you know evenings um and it, it helped get more guys out there you know what i mean like i, I remember as a kid seeing the mountie beat Bret hard for the internet title on superstars and i was baffled that the title change happened i was like wow you know, this is unbelievable, you know. So, yeah, syndicated wrestling definitely should have still stuck around, but they knew they, they couldn't uh, really get the airtime for it.
0: So I miss that shit. Um, the next thing is the Public Enemy versus the Steiner Brothers. Um, Public Enemy comes out, and they set up their tables at ringside. And then the Steiner, the Steiner Brothers music hit, but they don't come out. Like what's going on? And then Conan and Hugh Morris are shown attacking the Steiner brothers backstage, but it's one of the most ineffective attacks ever because mm-hmm. the Steiner just kicked the shit out of them, and they come out anyway. And they're just like, "Hey, where's mom and dad? What's up, guys?"
1: But that should that that should be what the Steiner brothers do, though. So it makes perfect yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, I understand. But they're also at like
2: the their- so-
1: sorry,
2: I mean, I at the same time. Look at the pairing of the attack. You got Conan and Hugh Morris. Where okay. in the fucking universe does that fit together?
3: <laughs> well, like, Hugh Morris could have gotten away with it with someone his size, but Conan wasn't going to take out the Steiner brothers. You no. know what I mean?
0: But if, and I could be wrong because we're not at Slamberry yet, but I think they're building up to these guys, these two teams fighting each other. So it's like. Well, you just put it on TV that they could barely attack the Steiner brothers. Right. Just, like, just kick the shit out of them by the shitter. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, there, the, the one note I had, there, uh, there's a couple notes. Um, and I talked to Nate about this. This is one of the questions that I asked him, and I put this in here because I agree with this. At some point in the 80s, Rick Steiner should have been the NWA champion. I'm not saying he should have been the NWA champion for like a year or two years, but I think Rick Steiner could have had like a five month run, like beat Rick flair and then have a good five month run as a fucking NWA champion. Cause when he was, and I shouldn't even say when he was, but before he got with Scott, that dude was fucking over as a singles. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, I think Rick Steiner deserved a chance at some point to be, considered a world champion. And then my other note is that fucking Scott Steiner's a goddamn freak. He's the a fucking
2: freak. Yes.
0: A fucking freak. Like, the shit that that guy could do to somebody, whether they wanted it to happen or not, is fucking phenomenal. Um, and then the other note is, um, I fucking hate the public enemy... Anybody that listens to reliving the, reliving the extreme knows that.
2: That was a surprise.
0: So but Rocco on his own, Ted Petty, really fucking good as a worker. So like, I won't I won't, so, I won't knock Ted Petty as a fucking worker. I'll knock the gimmick all day fucking long. But Ted Petty was a fucking
3: so wait pumping machine. When, when Public Enemy would come out and here comes the hot stepper would start playing, you wouldn't get amped up. No. Damn. What about waiting? WCW. la of We like the pun. You didn't like that either?
0: Nope. I went and got a Hot Pocket. Good. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> then Conan and Hugh Morris um, attack, and it turns into the public enemy and the Steiner brothers deciding they're just going to team up together and beat the shit out of Conan and Hugh Morris. And it right,
3: because it the Steiners whipping their ass alone wasn't enough to bury them. <laughs> All four of them whipping their ass was enough.
0: <laughs> so that's why I'm thinking, and like I said, I don't remember a lot about this slamboree, but I think we might be moving into a triple threat tag team match with the public enemy versus Conan and Hugh Morris versus the Steiner brothers. and nobody. I, wants think, it
3: was a, I think it might have been a fatal four-way with the Harlem Heat involved to Aaron for a shot at the tag team titles. And I think the outsiders interfered, which I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I, I believe it was a fatal war weight or something to that effect. You know what I mean? And This was also at the ending of the Dungeon of Doom. So, like, Conan and Hugh Morris had nothing better to do than team up and make a crappy tag team.
0: Well, we'll find out. Um, Our two starts, Bobby Heenan and Mike tonight check in. Um... My note is um, they discuss Nick Patrick and Eric Bischoff a little bit more and what does J.J. Dillon showing up mean for Eric Bischoff. And um, just that I really enjoy Mike Tanay. I think that dude is – I shouldn't say underrated because he, he was in TNA and he got his jest in that. But he, he doesn't get talked about enough when they talk about wrestling announcers like – Joey Styles and Jim Ross and and Lance and I don't want to say Lance. I don't want to compare Mike to Lance Russell, but I don't think he gets enough fucking credit. In my opinion, I, I agree with that.
3: He definitely had a great wide variety of knowledge in wrestling, and uh, you know he he seemed well liked, unless you go by what he said in the opening few weeks of TNA, in that him and Tony Schiavone didn't get along and they were always butting
1: heads. But <laughs> I, I don't know. He's um and 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 people can take me to task for this I don't care. He is he is a very cerebral announcer. Right. So I'm going to make a comparison and I'm going to say this to be honest with you I think Mike Tenney even though I can see the comparisons, and even though I can see that that one is the other's other's icon and the the, the other's um, mentor, Mike Cheney is actually closer to Gordon Soley than Jim Ross is. I don't know you, it, you? you know, I'm just saying, like he's 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 the cerebral announcer. He's he's describing the moves. He's he's telling you why this move is is is. Debilitating the other wrestler and kind of breaking it down for you, where Jim Ross is more lively and more, you know.
0: damn, look at that. You know, it's
1: Yeah. (laughs) And do you see what I'm saying, though? Like, uh, to me, it makes sense. Like, Tanae is more Gordon Sully than Jim Ross is. Yeah, more of like really an analyst
2: of it. Mm Yeah. Versus, like you said, you don't get talked about in the conversations that come up with like Joey Styles and Jim Ross. Joey Styles was a big deal because he did it. He was one man doing it by himself. I
1: mean, yeah. He, and he, Joey Styles, Joey Styles is a hundred percent Vince McMahon. Yeah, and, 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 and Nate, well, where you're saying that well, Jim Ross, like, he wasn't, he wasn't
0: as much as 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 Gordon Sully. He wasn't allowed to be right.
1: I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because at that point, he was. It was just him and him and Lawler. So he had to he had to be the salesman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Same way with Joey. Joey. Joey was the only guy, so he had to be the blah, 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 blah. Tanay
1: was the perfect. analyst.
0: Yeah, he was perfect in his right. role because it, at either point he was between Tony, who was selling the show, and Bobby, who was being the relief, and he's the guy in the middle. Mm. Or it's Tony who's selling. And Dusty being the relief, and he's the guy in the middle, because because if you look at it like when he got to TNA, by the time he got to TNA, and he was Don West, both of them were fucking yelling their asses yeah. off,
1: yeah.
0: Because <laughs> I had to be a fucking salesman now, you know what I mean? But at this point, I think I think TNA gets kind of swept under the rug a little bit. I agree. Um. The next segment is me, Gene Okerlund, interviewing mm-hmm. James A. Dillon, um, talking about him being named the um, WCW Executive Committee Chairman. Um, Tony, um, um, Tony, like he goes up there, and then Tony ends up questioning J.J. about Nick Patrick, and J.J. says his um, reinstatement's under advisement. He also says that Eric Bischoff... Um, this is, I'm going to be completely honest, guys. This is when I forgot. Like, yesterday, I forgot that I hadn't watched Nitro. And I got home, I was like, oh, man, I'm a little housed, but I got to watch this. So my notes might kind of go off the rails a little bit. Um, because this is a drunken air and taking notes. Um, he says, also says that Bischoff has no power within WCW, but will still be able to go, um, Wherever he wants, because he's still collecting a check because of his contract.
1: Am I wrong in that, Mark? No, it's exactly what he does. It's, and I want to add something quickly. It's not because you were drunk, because it made no sense. <laughs> it's because this is WCW, everybody. It's convoluted. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the alcohol, because it's, and then Eric, no
0: sense. and then Eric Bischoff comes out and just tells him to bite him a bunch.
2: Like he says, yeah, "bite me
1: right. like that." Response
2: to every fucking thing
1: almost. He's bite. like, "bite me, bite me." It's funny though. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They're like, we're gonna give him a one line and just repeat it.
0: <laughs> and um, Dylan says that Bischoff didn't. Um, help build up WCW um, Stanford did that on its loan two years ago because it fucking sucked is what he basically says like WWF was trash and that's the reason you were able to um, you know get over on them and then we get a recap of the Reggie white Mongo confrontation and I mean, then we get and then we get a clunky match. With Jeff Jarrett and Scotty Riggs. I put in parentheses. Because apparently I gave a shit about what you guys think about Scotty Riggs when I was a little drunk. Scotty Riggs. Yay or nay? Yay. Nay. I'm
2: going to say yay. Just like maybe sweet the gimmick and all just a little more and. You know, what Scotty, I'm
1: yeah, yeah, Scotty, Scotty Riggs was a solid worker. Right. Um, like as far as in ring work,
2: he's solid, but like when you give somebody a shitty gimmick and they run with it and they're still putting on you know, quality matches <clears throat> that says we comment about them.
1: It's one of the um, few times where I'll say a tag team broke up and the wrong guy went on to success. I'm not a fan after his tag team with the Patriot. I am not a fan of, of Marcus Bagwell. I you don't like Buff? Of, no. I am a fan of Scott Anton, though. Like, I think Scotty Riggs was a solid worker. I, I I can't find any fault in his game. He wasn't... I mean, he wasn't a blockbuster promo. But we talk about a lot of guys that weren't a great promo, that were great workers. Scott Scott Riggs, I can't find a fault with him, you know, as far as, as working a match goes. He every match he ever had that I ever saw was decent. Right.
0: Yeah. Like I'd, I, and Nate, I know you don't like him as much as I do, but I'd put him like in a, like a Tom Zink type. Yeah. Up. Yeah. That's
3: what I was, I was thinking he needs to be in a, in a tag team with a guy like Tom Zink, Tom Brandy, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? And that, yeah, and that's like what that I'm saying.
1: Out. Like with the promo thing, he's never going to be like, you know, he's never going to be your top guy but he can be in a good serviceable tag team with another right. good partner and and going to find him a good promo. They put him in they in the vlog and he couldn't do nothing, you know. Yeah, and like I said I literally and I know we're <laughs> beating the dead horse here and going on too long about it, but we're seriously.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I couldn't I couldn't um I couldn't name you a Scotty Riggs match that I watched that I was like, "Oh, that was fucking garbage." He was right. good. I mean, he was a good worker. Yeah. He was he was your Val Venus kind of worker, you know. Yeah, and, and
0: the way I'll put him over too is um, a guy that had a good mm. eye for talent, and a guy that one eye at one point. Yeah, <laughs> one eye at point, and then I'm, ah. I'm get there, a guy that had good eye for talent, and of a guy that could look at a rock, locker room and go, "Okay, you're going to give me my gimmick. You're going to give me my stable," was Scott Levy. Yep. And Scott Levy, from everything I understand, Kevin Sullivan had enough confidence in him of okay, you're gonna have the flock. He kind of let Levy do what he wanted to do for the longest time with that, and was mm-hmm. like, "Who are the guys you want to surround yourself with?" And that's because Hammer can be my heater because he's a big motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have any talent, but he's my heater.
1: Mm-hmm. Kidman's he's the my worker. he's my nine one one. Yeah, Kidman's the worker. Ooh. Right,
0: like. Um, um, Scotty Riggs over there, I can do something with that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, that, boy. good looks away from him, you know that type of shit. So, if a guy like Scott Levy has enough confidence in a guy to put him in his
1: group, that's and that's why the Raven character is one of the best characters in wrestling history. Because I don't care what anybody says, but at the time they worked together, Paul Heyman and Scott Levy shared a fucking brain. Yeah, yeah, I could agree with that. You know, and and and. Like I said, we're not there yet, but
0: Sullivan kind of had the same thing with him. And then when mm-hmm. Sullivan, kinda, like, once he got away from that, it kind of got convoluted, but we'll, yeah. we'll get there eventually. But like I said, Bischoff comes out. He said, We're, we're getting in. I went behind on my notes. Sorry. So, um, like I said, this match, it was what it was. It was kind of clunky. Um, these guys worked all right together. Jeff Jarrett. I know. Um, Archie doesn't like him. There's that Kyle that doesn't like him. Who? Jeff Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett.
3: I don't dislike Jeff Jarrett. I actually don't. I think that Jeff Jarrett um, is a scapegoat for a lot of people in that when he got his success, people tried to use the excuse, oh, well, that was just because he was friends with Russo and Russo booked him to the high heavens. When he opened up his own promotion, well, he promoted himself to be the world heavyweight champion. Jeff Jarrett is a great talent. I loved him in, GW, in GWF. Uh, I, I enjoyed him in the WWE, in WWF. I enjoyed him in
0: WCW. And TNA wasn't bad when he was around and booking him. And the reason he shouldn't get shit on about the TNA thing is that he didn't do anything that anybody else did right. before him that was trying to make sure their promotion was taken care right. of. Like, He's like, this is my fucking company. I'm not going to leave, you know. Right. Look, he tried. The first champion
3: he crowned was Ken Shamrock. Shamrock got injured a week later. So what did he do? He had to take the title off of Shamrock, put it on himself. Then he tried with Ron Ron Killings. It wasn't going that well. People were booing him out of the arena. He finally found a a niche with AJ Styles,
0: and he ran with it, you know. But he, he did agree. You know, he did the best he could. Jared didn't do anything different than anybody else did no. before him. Vern, Ganya, fucking right. Fred, any of them. He didn't do anything different. Um, so then the NWO music hits and the crowd goes crazy because the NWO is finally coming out and uh, six pack with Kevin Nash in his corner and six is a cruiserweight champion and he's going to be defending the title against Ray Mysterio jr. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I want to see this. Um, the, the, the match is really fucking good. I mean, it, it's fucking Sean Walton versus Ray Mysterio. It's right. not going to be bad. Yeah. Um, the announced team is discussing the fact that, um, Piper, Flair, and Green put out their challenge, and the Outsiders at Six have accepted it. Um, Kevin Nash attacks, but Randy Anderson doesn't see it. And James J. Dillon comes out and brings out EMTs and security to get Rey Mysterio out of the ring, and Rey Mysterio is loaded into an ambulance. And they talk about, like, Shivani talks about eerily, this is similar to when Rey Mysterio got Fucking lawn, darted. lawn darted off of the fucking yep. production truck, like a year ago. Um, I believe they did this Aaron, because
3: Ray was legit hurt, and they had to like write him off TV. So who better to get him off TV than Nash?
0: Yeah, that's kind of how so, the feeling like I got. Like, yeah. there's there's a reason they did this. Um, then we get a Lex Luger music video, which sucked.
2: Um, but but like as far as Ray. And, and 8 o'clock, go or 6 at, at this time, I'm like, Nate is about Steve Austin. 96, 97 stereo is hands down my favorite.
1: Mine, too. Mine, and too. And also, also, and I don't know, I think I've brought this up in the past. Um, we have so many shows and so much, so many episodes of so many shows that... I'm going to say this, and and you guys can disagree with me if you want. Um, Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash's two best opponents in the ring ever were Bret Hart and Rey Mysterio. I agree. Yeah, I could agree with that. Like, him and Bret had good... Old school knockdown dragout wrestling matches, and him and Ray were the perfect like. I don't know, man. Uh,
2: David and Yeah, they were. Yes, David and God, it was so fire.
1: good. Like I, I, I like to say that my my favorite Kevin Nash and my Ke- Nashan, my favorite Kevin Nash matches were Nash versus Brett. But I'd say my favorite Kevin Nash. Shit in general is him and is him and Ray. I wish they would have got to work more together. And
0: Kevin Nash isn't a guy that a lot of times will say that he was wrong or did something wrong. And and that's just his personality, you know? Yeah. But he's gone on record of saying that when he was when he was in because he had he had some control of his character and the storylines that he did. He's gone on record of saying that he thought he booked that shit in reverse. Mm-hmm. You know, like when when Ray beat him, and then he ended up beating Ray. He was like, "I should have done that shit in reverse." Yeah, you know, Powerbomb the shit out of him, and destroyed him, and then let Ray come back and and beat me and put Ray over at the end of it. Like he but won't, uh, even, he won't even say that he was wrong about the fucking Goldberg shit. You know, no, but he, that, he's, that Ray right. stuff, he's like, "I did that wrong." He was like, that was me being selfish.
3: But oddly enough, he never says that he was wrong for taking the mask away from Ray. He feels that Ray should have lost his mask years ago in the match with Eddie Guerrero, you know, at Halloween Havoc. And that that's the only reason why he continued to go with the storyline and take it from him, which was the wrong move because the the mask meant everything to
0: Ray. Right. So, that ad, like I said, we got the Rey Mysterio. Six pack match. It ended with that. We have that Luger video. And then we get Lee Marshall doing whatever he's doing in Norfolk. Um, then they played some video paid for by the NWO of Hulk Hogan on the set, on the set of some movie called McSensies Island.
1: <laughs> and it was
0: shit. And, he
3: but, made some really was, shit movies when he was in WCW. Some shit true, movies it was his
0: true. entire career.
3: Um, well, but, yeah, yeah, but I can defend Suburban Commando and and No Holds Barred, but I mean like Assault on Devil's Island, that whatever you just called it, Three Ninjas, High McSincy's Noon, you know, like McCincy's Island. The I fucking mean,
2: Nanny was better than this you're right. Mister Nanny
3: weird. was better than anything he did for WCW. <laughs> it's like TBS roped him into a contract. Like, okay, you're signing with WCW. They're paying you millions. You're gonna make some shitty movies for us. And he was like, "Yeah, brother."
0: Fucking now that
2: be a
3: peacock original. <laughs>
0: <and then> fucking, <laughs> like Carl Weathers. He's wearing like an NWO shirt. And all that right, shit. lame. Like, Jesus Christ. I hate the fucking... Like, I shouldn't say I hate Hollywood Hogan. I hate Hulk Hogan when he's doing anything out of wrestling that's for his movie career. Right. Because yeah, because
2: then like, plug, like, this is the first NWO
0: produced movie or some shit. Yeah. I was yeah. like,
2: dude, this is this is horrible. Who gives a shit?
0: Right. <laughs> the fucking McSensey's Island. I'm going to try to... This is what I was going to do. I'm going to try to find this fucking movie. Okay? Oh, God. Because, because next week... Um, Are you going to make us watch this? No. Uh, I mean, okay, if you guys okay. want to find it and watch it, you can't. I, I don't know. But, but next week, Nitro's only an hour because they're getting postponed or whatever NBA. for the NBA Finals. Yep. I want to find this McSensey's Island or whatever they call it. I'm going to watch the fucking movie and I'm gonna do notes. You you know what I didn't get? Not to, to cut you off there.
3: Raw would move for the damn dog show, and do Raw Thursday, Raw Thursday, Raw Thursday, or Friday night. You know, main event on on uh, instead of doing Raw, or or because of Wimbledon or something, whatever. WCW would never move to another night for Nitro. You know what I mean? Just because they felt they had to keep on on Monday nights. Meanwhile, they would let the product suffer for that one hour bullshit they're probably going to put on next week, just so they could say well, we were on Monday night. You know,
1: and I guarantee you that "McSimpson's Island" or whatever it's called <laughs> is absolute positive. <laughs> Listen.
0: I'm gonna try, like you said. I'm gonna try to find this fucking movie, and this is gonna be part of the review show next week. If I can find *McInty's Island*, I'm gonna recap this. I like Nate's
3: better. Nate's name better. Hogan's playing Shy Show Bob. Carl Weathers (laughs) is is being uh, 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 Lenny or Carl. Yeah, he's Apu. (laughs) And it's straight to
1: VHS. Thank you. Come again, brother. (laughs) Turner Home Entertainment, everybody. we're not going to let it
0: flop in the theater. (laughs) Well, after the McSensey Island shit, um, the NWO come out, and it's Kevin Nash, Six, uh, Vincent, Fake Sting, Buff Bagwell, and Scott Norton, and Six is cutting a promo on Ric Flair, and um, this isn't Usually, like when you hear like a Kevin Nash or Scott Hall say something, you believe they're shooting. This isn't. This isn't Waltman shooting. This is Shaltman. Shaltman. This is Sean Waltman working, um, because that dude had more respect for the people that came before him than those guys did. Um, he calls Ric Flair a banana nose, and um, says that he also doesn't respect Ric Flair because um, Ric Flair ripped off Buddy Rogers. Now, Kevin Nash, who I've gone on record of saying is the coolest dude ever, um, says some shit and I think he believes it, but I think it's wrong. Um, he's For one, he calls Piper brain damaged. Which, eh, that might be correct. But he says that guys like Piper and Flair are the people that ruin the sport right. of professional wrestling. I believe the
3: line was, you guys keep mentioning the road, road that you built for us, but we keep have to f- having to fill in the potholes you guys left behind.
0: Yeah, like, we have to keep repaving it or whatever. Right. Um, and then he also says the same thing about flat. Like, basically, Nash just completely shits on...
3: We makes it seem like they raked the business before guys like Nash, Hall, and Waltman got there.
0: Yeah. And and I and I believe that Nash is feeling what he says out of shooting. Yeah, what I've heard from, um, a Nash and Hall throughout the years, they 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 didn't respect those guys. And I think Nash has changed his stance now that he's gotten older. But at this time, I really I really feel he believed it. Well, coming from a guy like Kevin Nash, who has said that the last ten years of his career
3: you know, after WCW and then going back to WWF and then going back going to TNA, he was strictly doing it for a paycheck and didn't really care what they were asking him to do. It's really bullshit for him to say that guys like Flair and Piper and even Hogan and Macho Man screwed the business up for them because he could say, oh, well, it's because of Scott Hall and him that they got guaranteed money. But guys who didn't deserve it were getting guaranteed money now. You know what I mean? Guys who should have just been on a pre-appearance or a one year contract with a debt with no downside guarantee. So I love Kevin. I'm a huge fan of Kevin Ashton. I'm gonna mark out when I meet him at WrestleBash, Cheap uh, cheap pop. Uh but he 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 did a lot of damage too to the business when it came to what they did out of WCW. Well,
1: favored favored and- nations.
2: Yes, but it's like you said though he had control over that, you know, over his character and stuff, and right. these guys didn't have that liberty. You know what I'm saying? It was, this is the direction we're
0: going, make it work, and right. they did. Um, so this is where I say like my notes got like fucked up because I was like, oh, I think this show's over. I'm like, oh no, there's more. Um, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Like, I gave the show a rating. Like, after Nash said that, I was like, Oh, I'll give this show a C. Plus. And I'm like, Wait a minute, psychosis is coming out. <laughs> There's still 45 minutes
3: on this show. I thought this
0: was over. You're psychosis. <laughs> Who's he fighting? And they were like, Then Kim Page came out. I'm like, Okay. And, and I kind of gave my Dave Sullivan face. I'm like, Ooh.
3: Wink in the corner, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Like, this is good. Uh, and then DDP came, DDP came out, and um, I fast forwarded the match because <laughs> I don't want to watch DDP I, wrestle.
2: Kimberly's here. I don't need Dallas to rule. I, I don't yeah,
0: need Dallas Page. you to... don't.
1: You don't want to see the cuckold.
0: Yeah, I was just saying, um, <laughs> Diamond Dallas Cuckold.
1: Oh, get God. over. Get over there in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Go DDP, by David.
0: Go by the David Sullivan. Reason. The only reason your career is fucking good is because you throw good Christmas parties, you know how to grill, and you let Eric Bischoff fuck your wife. That's the only reason oh, your God. fucking career is a <laughs> thing.
3: Is that why his career in the WWE blew up?
1: Because he yeah. never let Vince McMahon go out with his wife? <laughs> yeah, he probably did. I don't know. That's that's one of the NDAs. He had a new
3: wife by then. Him and Kimberly were on. we already done by then.
1: Yeah, but still, still. they were divorced in ninety nine, wasn't it?
0: Right. Vince signed Kim him, and he was like, Kim, "Where's your wife? Where's your wife?" <laughs> I go, oh, she I thought she you left. were
3: bringing Kim with you." Dallas was
0: like, "Bang!" <laughs> she <laughs> left me, and he goes, oh, I, put, I, "I put three million aside for that, pal." I now you're now you're the <laughs> I stalker. Didn't, I didn't know.
1: I didn't know you met, met Mary Rhonda Singh. <laughs>
3: Vince sorry. was like, now you're the stalker and the Undertaker's gonna destroy you.
0: Yeah, you're gonna
3: get beat by his Make bike. me famous. <laughs> well, he definitely made him famous. Now he does deep yoga. Uh, so, can we can we backtrack just for a second, Aaron? I'm sorry for like holding up the show. It's okay. But you mentioned the six man tag, it's it's Flair, Piper, mm-hmm. and Kevin Green versus the NWO. Yeah. Meanwhile, six months earlier, Mongo turned on Kevin Green to join the Horsemen, and Green swore revenge when he came back to WCW. Bad
0: booking. Bad booking. Don't don't let facts get in the way of a good story. That's WCW. Well, I try not to, but Mark always tells me all
3: these facts.
1: That's WCW's mantra. Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. (laughs) And, yeah, but. Okay. It it results in a f- fantastic match. Oh, it's great. We'll get to that later, but... Does it really? I think so.
2: A missed opportunity to me was, you know how they had JJ come out and all that? Like, when Eric come out, like, why didn't they like, alright, JJ's here. So, fuck it, bring out the horse. And, right. and, you know, you know, we got J.J.'s back, and then the N.W.O. comes out with Eric, and we got their back, and then you could have took some shit right there, and that whole fucking
3: era of WCW would have been completely fucking different. Right. J.J. doesn't get with the Horseman till Flair comes back when Arn Anderson brings the Horseman back and adds Dean Malenko because J.J.'s right. in the ring with him. So they don't mention J.J.'s affiliation with the Horseman for like two years. Right,
2: and it's all. I'm already
3: fired. I like I'm already it. fired.
2: I'm JJ. We know
3: that,
1: dude. I'm already fired, look at these gross ass wings. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, you can have your show back now, Aaron. Sorry,
1: <laughs> <laughs> my microwave woo wings. Anyway, go ahead, Aaron. Um,
0: I put it's, it's psychosis versus DDP. Have you guys? Did you guys see the Ric Flair boner pill commercial I posted? Yes. He literally says that. Like I didn't know what the commercial was gonna be. It's just like Ric Flair, and then he shows up and he's like, "Woo! I'm gonna talk to you about the greatest boner pills in the world." <laughs> I, I love it when he pushes the guy. <laughs> he's like, "No, these are my boner pills. Don't take these." Away. <laughs> You know
2: how old I am, motherfucker? He's hits,
0: and he comes out and he's like, I want to talk to you about Mount Everest. <laughs> you know? Greatest. No, he says, I want to talk to you about Mount Everest, the greatest boner pills ever created. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know should, you know what Flair you should. <laughs> you know what I Flair should come out bawling. You know what heard him say <laughs> <laughs> about Mount Everest, the greatest boner pills ever created.
1: You know what Flair should come out to his. Re- Look, he shouldn't come out to his normal entrance music for his retirement match, or his last match, or whatever the fuck they're calling it. His Death match. <laughs> He's He's literally gonna be a he should, he, should become, he should come out to Stone Temple Pilots dead and bloated.
3: <laughs> oh god.
2: <laughs> oh. But
1: oh god. like you talk about there.
2: that you're talking about that commercial. Like literally, you know that's fucking Conrad's idea. Because I don't know how much of it, like, if you ever...
1: Oh, God. Him. Yes, oh, they load God. They everything. load Rick. It's, everything he does now, Conrad loads him up on gin and tonics and sends him in front of a fucking camera.
2: Yep. Like, when I listen Cart to that, when I listen to the uh, Foley is fine, like, there's, they're putting over Bluetooth. I guess this is chewable by Agra. Yeah, like, it is. The generic version now. They make sure to tell you it, it's basically the generic version. <laughs> and they will give you your first month free. It's like, not Trident. It. Like it. You're going to be a fucking guinea pig. Nothing does.
0: But here in Rex Flair Co, I want to talk to you about Mount Everest. The greatest boner <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Rick they
2: should have just endorsed it
3: and they should have called
2: it Space Mountain pill. pills or
0: Right, they should have called it Space Mountain. Mark's right. I know, but hearing Ric Flair say boner pill, right? I, can, I lost it. I was like, that's the best Ric Flair shit in the last years since the Ric Flair drip go poop on a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but just but think
2: I, about that missed opportunity there, though. If they if had called it Space Mountain, the fucking commercial for it would have been just like an
3: old school promo, and I'm Rick Flair with Mountain. Mount Everest, Woo! and I can't stay up all I night. night. I can barely make it past nine p.m. But with Mount Everest boner pills, I can't stay yeah. up at least till
0: twelve. Flair saying boner pill cracked me up.
3: <laughs>
0: but any, anyway, I don't know where I was at. Oh, it's psychosis say, pain DDP. <laughs> Yes. Like I said, I fast forwarded through it. The only plus was that Kimberly Bacon was on there, and then uh, Macho Man taunted DDP from the crowd. It's like kind of the same thing every week. Um, they're gonna have another match, and it's gonna be really good. But Savage, and I know Savage is hurt, but um, Savage taunting Page from the crowd is getting a little stale. It's the same shit every week.
3: Um, He's forgetting the Playboy. At Least we had the Playboy Kimberly was in to be okay, but
0: you know. Yeah.
3: Wouldn't um, need the boner pills.
0: No, you wouldn't. <laughs> um so then the show ends with Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, and Kevin Green coming out, interviewed by Mean Gene. Um they um come back to the NWO telling them to Paved the. That's where I got the paved the highway thing. They're saying uh-huh. you put you 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 put we put potholes on it. How about you go back through and pave the highway? And um we kind of, I kind of pulled a Jim Ross and brought up the fact that Scott Hall was going to be in that six man match because the NWO comes out and they welcome back Scott Hall and everybody's happy because Scott the NWO is happy because Scott Hall is finally back and we beat um, the demons again yeah and talking about Kevin Nash being one of the coolest dudes ever Scott Hall is the coolest nwo guy at all out of the entire group he's the fucking man and it's a big deal cuz Scott Hall's back because they're like who's your who's going to be your third guy and and that's actually kind of cool because if you think about it like they knew x pot or X, they knew six pack and Kevin Nash were going to be in there, but uh, I don't, I kind of actually just put this together. Piper and flair and green were talking about how they knew they were going to fight Kevin Nash and six. And now WCW once again was like, who's your third guy? Who's your third guy? And they find out it's going to be Scott Hall. And, um, Teen WCW and Teen NWO kind of getting like a little brawl and it's kind of a standoff and that's how the show goes off the air. Did I miss anything? No. no I like the fact
2: that they didn't shit on
0: Kevin Green and uh,
2: Flair and Piper right there because they still look like badasses because regardless of the numbers game, they still held them all. Oh, yeah. For one. And to me... Like you were saying, who's your third man? And it's Scott Hall. It was obviously the better choice than fucking Fake Sting. Right, yeah. that is that Vincent was the dumbest shit ever to me.
0: So, uh, you think Fake Sting was dumb? I thought Fake Sting actually.
3: No, at the time when they debuted, it, Fake Sting was perfect because he did look just like Sting. Until Sting became the Crow, and then once he tried to become Fake Crow Sting, he looked nothing like Sting. You know, what I mean? it was it was blatant. So I'll
2: put it like this: I'd rather watch Mike Shaw's greatest hits than have yeah. to watch any more
0: Fake Sting. You said Mike Shaw?
2: Yeah, Mike Shaw, bastard fucking booger.
0: Did you say Mike Shaw's greatest hits or Mike Shaw's biggest hits? Yeah,
2: yeah, his greatest hit, not his biggest hit. Would, I mean, would that would really that
0: include Friar Ferguson or just Norman the oh, and Bashing Booger?
3: I
2: watch every match that he had on okay. um, uh, uh, um, all those gimmicks.
3: Okay, over okay. not having
2: to watch face
1: booger.
3: I think I've Muck. said this before on other shows. Oh booger.
1: <laughs> <Yes>.
3: uh, but <laughs> WCW's constant need to pretend like Sting was joining the NWO was getting a bit annoying, even at this point. Like, when the fake Stings with the mask would come out, it's Sting! Oh my god, he joined the NWO! No, it's a guy in a mask and a wig. And you know it. <laughs> and it never looked you know good. I mean? It never, no, they were always too tall or too short
1: or whatever, you know what I mean? Oh. But
3: like, and the, and the wig the worst, looked terrible. The worst,
1: the worst fake Sting ever was Kevin Nash. Yeah. yeah. A seven foot Sting.
3: You know what I mean? With with brownish blonde hair. Meanwhile, Sting had jet black hair by this time. You know, it made no sense. But every time, no matter how big or small or fat or stupid the guy looked in the mask or whatever, he went, oh no, it's Sting and he's coming to join the NWO. No, it's not. No, it's not. Sting's in the rafter. Leave him there.
2: It may, it may be an unpopular opinion, but even when Sting joined with the NWO, the black and white NWO, I didn't give a shit. When he was Wolfpack Sting, I really, really liked him. Just not... Yeah, all
3: right, but see, Mark just brought up another point that gets me angry. You all remember that night when Sting joined the Wolfpack? How he he had the white white and black on, yeah. and then he ripped it off, and then yeah. he had okay, well. He, he was supposed to join the Giant with, to become the tag team champions. The Giant just went back to being in the NWO. So they give Sting an ultimatum to join. He comes out, he takes off his jacket, he's got the white NWO shirt on. And Tony Giovanni is going, Oh God, it's the darkest day in WCW. Sting's joined the NWO. He, Scorpion Death, drops Hogan and slams the Giant rips off the white and black and has the red and black Wolfpack shirt on. Mm -hmm. And Tony Schiavone begins rejoicing. He's joined the Wolfpack! Oh my God! What a day! And I'm like, but wait a minute. He's still in the NWO. He still left WCW. What are you doing? You know, why is this fun? Why is this good for WCW? Now you have nobody.
1: WCW, everybody. (laughs) You know?
0: So. um, Logic will
2: never understand.
0: Right. Yes. So that is how our show ends with the NWO, um, Team NWO, Team WCW brawling with each other. NWO runs away. And that is how we end um, April 21st, 1997. So um, this has been the absolute longest episode ever. Because- <laughs> You're Uh, welcome (laughs) uh, Thanks of the year that was This is why I don't come on the show I talk too much I mean I enjoyed it
3: guys Aaron was about to go yeah you do
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I I appreciate you guys Being on the show with me And um, If you guys have anything to plug At the end of the show Feel free just keep it like 20 seconds Because this shit's gone can like two hours first? and
3: 15 minutes. Sure, go ahead. All right. I'd like to talk to you guys about uh, Mount Everest, the uh, boner pills. <laughs> uh, if you could just, like, buy some, that would be great, because maybe it'll keep Ric Flair out of the ring another time, besides this time coming up. Thanks.
0: Oh, this going to be his last time. Like I said,
3: you're well, spending $100 yeah, to watch yeah, Ric if, Flair in that if, match. If he, if he dies, do- oh, I'm not paying for that. I ain't paying for that shit. I'll watch it on YouTube the next day.
2: I'll say this about, out of which I enjoyed more, I definitely enjoyed Raw more than this Nitro. I agree. and I'm glad that the next episode's only an hour because the two-hour Nitro this time, I honestly felt like I caught myself trying to grab my phone to find something more entertaining. Yeah, nothing (laughs) nothing
0: happened on this Nitro. Other than JJ showing up, nothing happened on this nitro. Uh and Scott Holiday returning or whatever. Um Nate, you got anything? Bye. Okay. My-, <laughs> my my computer was just like, you've extend- you've you've overextended me. It's like it's like fucking uh uh, the the guy in fucking Green Mile is like, I'm tired, boss. I'm tired, boss. <laughs> what my fucking
1: computer's telling me. Um, <laughs> Aaron is Michael Clark done. <laughs> um,
0: well, I'm not. I'm going to have yeah. 12 more beers and go to bed. I don't have to work tomorrow, but my computer's like, we're See, done. See, Aaron, Aaron gets beers and, and, and
3: chicken and pizza.
0: <laughs> and he yeah. might try to I'm going go to the doctor to find out what's wrong with me.
3: Too much beer chicken and yeah, my pizza. Knee doesn't work
0: just... You don't need to ask the doctor. <laughs> I just I just know my knee doesn't work, right? Anymore. Oh, it's about your knee. And it's you like
2: know. I've been here
0: your whole life.
1: I got you. <laughs> my BCP is high. Beer chicken pizza. <laughs> that
3: is good.
0: Yes. That'll be my remake of the Cardi B song.
2: <laughs> One thing I'm gonna I'm just gonna quickly plug. Check out all the shows on you know, the whole weekend wrestle podcast network and stuff. I haven't found anything that I don't enjoy.
0: Me neither. And
2: not not just cause, you know, I come on these
0: things with you guys.
2: Literally, like generally it's good shit.
0: So um, the only thing I'll say, guys, and um, I started saying it last week and I'll keep saying it now. If you guys are listening to any of our shows and you enjoy them, um, the only way it's going to be out there and get out there is not just by enjoying it alone. Comment, rate, share, do whatever you can do to help. Promote us and get us out there and get more people listening because that's the only way it's going to be able to keep going.
1: Yes, whip and, out uh, your
0: Ahmed Johnson and spray it. <laughs> yeah, just bring out your big wood and spray it out there and let everybody know. And be like, this is the best bird. little unknown podcast group out there. Help us out. Get us out there, um, and let's just show the world what we know is the fucking funniest and best podcast group in the world. And I want to yeah. appreciate—I want to appreciate you guys being on the show with me tonight. And this—this this got to be being like modern-day WrestleMania time. But <laughs> I still
1: appreciate it. Or so the old—or the old days of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, right? Yeah. It's tomorrow night, night two of the uh, year that was.
3: Yeah. Modern day WrestleMania? Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys. I appreciate it. And thank you for the 34 people that listened to it. You're all good folk. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Bug <Bug-Zumoff>. Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that if Buck Zumoff is listening. Hey,
3: hey, hey, ah, Nate, man.
0: you knew what I Nate, you, I knew what you were it. doing. Sumoff, <laughs> if you were listening, hang yourself. <laughs> take take the shoestring out of your left out of your out of your, out of your oh left boot, out, of your, out of your left booty. <laughs> Epstein yourself and, and and screw the little nail out of the fucking. Or screw a little bolt out of the fucking bar. Don't <laughs> escape. Don't escape. Just loop the one end around the other end and fucking hang yourself. You fucking cretin. He's like, don't escape. Don't escape. If you can take the fucking bolt out, you would be out.
3: If we didn't have a name for the show already, you could have named it Jir-Bok-Zumoff. Kill yourself.
0: Kill yourself, Bok-Zumoff.